Yeah, I'm excited to be on the show, though. This is a uh, this is cool, dude. It's I'm nice I'm, to be here. Yeah, I'm thrilled to have you here. <laughs> you like you've been so patient. You've been so nice. This is supposed to happen like months ago, and Gilmer just never got back to you. No, <laughs> I was like, listen, if you need a cast, here's a guy. He's like, okay, I'll get to him. Anyway, here's a three hour thing about the liturgy. What? <laughs> well, so I was I I texted you about uh, to tell Gomer that uh, that I know Father Rock. And mm-hmm. he would know who I was talking about because he's mentioned him on the show before. Cause, so Father Rock Caresti is a Cistercian priest. He's like uh, he's like eighty something years old, and he's That's written awesome. a he's written quite a few books, and one of them is a Christology textbook that Gomer has referenced a few times. <laughs> That's and, awesome. Uh, you know, I took Father Rock for his class, and. Uh, was not was not a a stellar student but he he is a a good friend and uh yeah i was it's just interesting to see uh you know i was curious when you were when you were telling gomer about me i'm sure he was like who is this guy and why would we want him on the podcast (laughs) (laughs) uh so do you want to why don't you do a brief introduction about like who you are and what you do because it'll be much better than anything that that i can do i'll give you some highlights of kind of personal stuff work stuff real quick and then wherever you want to take it is is fair game with me so i grew up in uh grew up in new orleans and uh you know the first you know super big experience that's kind of influenced the rest of my life was when my mom had a stroke um when she was in her late 30s i was like seven or eight years old and um she suffered a massive stroke it was not your uh your puny little stroke not my, no, yeah, not my, not my little like <laughs> not my little like snip oh no <laughs> i'm walking to a wall now that's weird <laughs> so she was basically you know we can go into it more later if, if people care but basically she was uh completely paralyzed on the right side of her body and long story short Whoa. had a, had a miraculous healing um and that was like transformational in kind of my just life i mean everything changed with that yeah, kind of yeah that'll do and it. uh so yeah you know catholicism has always been super important to me wound up going to the university of dallas and uh <clears throat> thought i was either going to be a priest or go back and teach high school at jesuit high school in new orleans oh that's right because you had timmy as a teacher right Yes, McCaffrey. That's yes. so weird. Yes. Oh, man. Yeah, so man. We, yeah. <laughs> I've got a so story funny. for you about that, but sorry. Keep on going. I'm, we could just make this the Timmy McCaffrey show, I'm sure, going back and forth with yeah. uh, inspiring and disturbing stories. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, so uh, for, uh, let, me just, let me just explain this. For people who don't know, Timmy, Timmy uh, McCaffrey is an AMDG guy who is actually my age. He graduated high school, 01, I believe, hmm. and showed up to college two years late because he was doing like something holy, I think. <laughs> I don't remember what. And then just a really cares, I mean, like super charismatic, really good dude. Was for a while, like taught high school for a bit, was a director of youth ministry for the Archdiocese of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And I believe now runs a charismatic center in New Orleans. So, yeah. Uh, really cool. Sorry. Anyway, that's one of No, uh, yeah. He's going, yeah. He, he, he's the man i mean i remember yeah so he taught me it was like my i think ninth grade religion class at jesuit or something like that and uh he's just an awesome dude and you know the last time i spoke to him was you know we haven't really kept up too much over the years but it was funny because i called him one of the last times we were in new orleans because our daughter just you know wound up getting some kind of rash all over her body and fever and stuff and i was like 
you know, we're just in this Airbnb. And I was like, uh, let me call somebody that now has a bunch of kids because they probably know a doctor. So he was on the short list. And I was like, wow. and uh, but yeah, he's um, yeah, somehow he saw something on LinkedIn where you and I were going back and forth. And he was like, I can't believe the two of you know each other. So that's <laughs> it, it's a small world. I'm sure you Awkwardly and I, small Catholic world. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awkwardly small. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so anyway, you know, thought I was either going to be a priest um, or wind up teaching back at Jesuit. I actually applied to enter the Jesuits my sophomore really? year during the uh, the oh, Rome semester. Yeah. And okay. Okay. Uh, wound up through that process, realized I wasn't called to the priesthood um, and went back to UD, uh, started dating my my wife, Laura. And, uh, you know, fast forward to, so anyway, after I realized I wasn't going to be a priest, I was also like, I also don't want to be a teacher and I'm studying theology. So (laughs) (laughs) exactly. It made sense, but I was 18. (laughs) It made sense. (laughs) And and so I wound up going. Taylor told his time in these parts. (laughs) I know. It's like, there's. Everybody's just listening in the the thousands of people, uh, you know. Well, why did we do this? But no, yeah. it, it's uh, it, it's actually turned out phenomenally well, and I I couldn't have couldn't have asked for kind of a better better track, and uh, just you know wound up wound up attending an event while I was at UD. It was a uh, my wife invited me. She was involved with the pro life club and was like, hey. Uh, you want to go to this pro-life breakfast? And I was like, well, I don't know what a pro-life breakfast is, but I'm in. And but I like it, you, so I'm there. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and no it, it turns <laughs> turned out it was, a, it was a fundraising event for an organization called Heroic Media. And I went to that event, fell in love with a mission, realized fundraising was a career opportunity, and uh, wound up just calling up the executive director. I was like, hey, thinking to myself, I feel like I could do this. Uh, asked if I could do a volunteer internship. They said, yes, of course. <laughs> no one wants to work for free. <laughs> yeah. Come on in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so kind of one thing led to another. And I wound up working at that organization for seven years and wound up just spending all my time in major gifts. I went on over a thousand visits, um, wound up raising a bunch of money, had a lot of success. And eventually that led to starting a consulting business part-time while I was still employed there. And then after doing that part-time for about two years, transitioned into it full-time. So now the the business is called One Visit Away. And basically what I do is just uh, help help people get more and better visits with their donors. Nobody wants to go. <laughs> people just, nonprofits just don't visit with their donors. No, they uh, do not. We, no, we can yeah. <laughs> we can spend hours talking about this, but long story short, people don't visit with their donors. I help people in a variety of ways make that a priority and then know what they need to do to actually go execute on that and feel confident and have a you know positive experience for all parties involved. So those are some of the highlights, but yeah. Nice. And that's and I that's why I wanted to have you on for well, a couple of reasons. One is like you're just like a really and you've got your own um podcast as well called um one visit away it's excellent it's really really good uh and uh and i and i totally i'm saying that as a guy who gets very angry anytime a catholic starts up another podcast i'm like damn it don't take away my numbers <laughs> well, <laughs> well so it's funny because i i think i even told you this one of the first times we talked but you know i started listening to y'all's podcast shortly at well i guess I, yeah it was like right around the time that our first daughter was born 
And then I started my podcast like maybe eight months after that. So, you know, I'd heard all these episodes where like you're going on and on about these, these, <laughs> you know, these, these jerks, these imbeciles. How dare these, you? <laughs> these, and I'm like, I'm like, I, I just want to help people. Like, I know, I'm such an asshole. Like what's, what's Luke going to think? <laughs> you can tell that I'm like a bad age because I'm just like, oh, we're just trying. And everyone's just caught because no one wants to do anything. They just want to be seen, which is what we're doing. But technically, when we started, you couldn't. There was nothing, so technically, it doesn't count. Like, oh man, yeah. There, there's a real like fine line between like content creator and like egomaniac, right? And like, no, most sure. people don't cross over to the egomaniac part, but like, sometimes it happens. <laughs> no, and and it's funny because the the more you do it, it's it's a lot easier than than people realize to mm-hmm. like because part of it is is the more you turn it into like the thing is is just like crazy over the top stuff sells and like people you, you know like clickbait type things mm-hmm. uh super controversial opinions like sharing things that you righty <laughs> right yeah like yeah. all of that all of that just makes things blow up and so it's mm-hmm. like you know when you have a podcast or whatever it's like it can be tempting to, you know, push the envelope because you're going to get more exposure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually a thing that like, one thing that like makes me so sad. Well, not not sorry. That is the wrong way to put it. Just I've come to terms with it, and not sad, but just like okay, it's it's not a big deal. Is our one of our biggest episodes ever that people come back to is over the summer of uh, 2018 about mm-hmm. the scandal and the Pennsylvania report and like you know yeah. all the McCarrick stuff, and it was like. Because, you know, I mean, we had people say, like, I went up to my bishop. Which I, don't know, I don't know what bishop they have or how they feel like they could do this. But I'm like, okay. When they're like, I played them your show. I said, this is exactly how I feel. And, like, mm. I think it's a part of me going, like, I've been believing in Jesus Christ for once in your life. First of all, I the bishops. Like, yeah. And I remember, and I, I remember maybe, like, a couple, maybe weeks or months after that, just, just where it's just still, like, just emotionally exhausting. Having this thought of, like, mm. I cannot live in that headspace. Like right. I just cannot like this is such a dark thing, and then 2020 happened, so that was great. Uh, right. <laughs> where uh, I remember just having to consciously like make the choice: we're not going to be that. Like we're right. not going to turn into one of these podcasts where it's just like, and the Pope is horrible, and everything is terrible, and this is why like we're right and everyone is is wrong. And it was very tempting to do that because like I think when the Covington Catholic thing happened. Like, mm-hmm. and just like feeling so angry about like what I was seeing in terms of like, like, like when I saw the kid, like when I, when I, when I like, when I like, I'm, I'm saw the video, I remember being like, come on, what are we doing? You know, just like, and then it, right. it, there was this weird collective. We all got like obsessed. I think so many people were like, I think it was after two that the summer of 2018, I could be wrong, but so many people were just angry about that. And just um, yeah. at like, not fake of Catholicism, but just like, um, Things that like, or maybe you shouldn't do, right? You know, just like yeah. tired of that and just so angry about it. And then also, and of course, like I remember having thought of like, but like, what if that's not the whole story? Just be like, whatever. You know, like I'm just so yeah. mad. And then after right. that, be like, I feel dirty. I feel gross. I don't want to do this anymore. And right. I'm like, if that means that like we all lose listeners, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And and when people like say like that's their favorite part or that's the thing that they like the most, I appreciate that, especially when they say like you just you you express what you know i was feeling that gave me a little bit more permission to just be like we're going to be about exploring feelings and trying to process stuff as opposed to like being angry right those are sure. like two different things 
Yeah, and, and and that's that's one of the things I've always loved about y'all's podcast is, you know, there's it's when you're coming from a position of kind of uh, ignorance on a topic, and then you get someone. So, like for example, uh, you know, like let let's go with Von Balthazar. You know, like one of one of y'all's uh topics old ballsy, you, old ballsy. <laughs> yeah. and by the way i love the uh <laughs> the name, the when name. i logged into the uh the riverside uh you know name i'll i'll save it as a secret if y'all haven't gone over no, it before but it's go ahead and tell people balthazar and booze studios is uh probably it's, it's, the the greatest highlight of being a guest on catching foxes <laughs> it's actually not not that i'm trying to okay so we, we use a platform now to record our like all of our interviews uh called riverside online it's much easier it's much easier than, than skype and we got to name the studio that where you recorded it's <laughs> balthasar battlestar and booze <laughs> yes okay okay i missed battlestar you're right it's okay excellent, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. okay but yeah. but here's my see i have no idea i feel like you and i are both gonna just keep talking about random stuff and never make a point because we're both like <laughs> in fundraising <laughs> What was I? Okay, so okay, here it is. Here's my point. Here's my point. One of the things you know, so like, as a uh, you know C plus theology major, my uh, my knowledge of theological matters is is pretty limited. But and so so when someone comes across and starts like trashing a particular theologian or or whatever it is, it's very easy because they're the trasher who knows more about it than I do. Mm-hmm. To give mm-hmm. the information necessary to convince me that this is the truth about the matter. Yep. But then, yep. you know, there have been some things that, like, you guys have talked about. And, you know, Gomer, uh, who seems to be a scholar on many things, you know, he'll he'll start talking about, like, oh, here's what the text says, and this is why something might be a little bit more nuanced. And just hearing that perspective has been really helpful to me and i think that's that's just it's just so easy to get caught up in like i heard this one thing and now i'm stuck on that path when we have limited information and and for Mm -hmm. me you know a thing a thing i think of when we're talking about you know uh it's easy to go to extremes to get, you know, listeners to get exposure, whatever, you know, I recently, this is something I've been kind of battling with. I'm going to share this to a level that I think is acceptable, but not go into (laughs) the details intentionally. But I've had, I've had my fair share of haters over, over the years with my podcast of mostly it's just random people Mm -hmm. that like come Mm -hmm. out and just say some stupid thing to me in a message, whatever. It's usually, it's usually just like, unhelpful criticism for no real yeah point but recently i had someone that i know like a a real life person send me like a disturbing message (laughs) and and to the point where my first reaction was okay obviously i'm just gonna block this person but then my second thought was how do i use this to advance my exposure online you know and it's like (laughs) yeah and and there's that struggle it's like okay here's someone that i know with decent certainty has some serious like you know issues they're dealing with Mm -hmm. to send me a message like this 
Yeah. Um, do I want to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to use their name. I would have hidden it, but I would have sent the message out there because it would have gotten me a ton of engagement. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, do I go down that kind of dark path of using this or do I just move on? And, you know, there, there's always that pull of like, yeah, just like, you know, let them have it. And uh, <laughs> from the dark comes light. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, I could I could do this and I'll make some money. But it's like <laughs> that's not uh, that's not what we should be striving for. No. And uh, yeah. I think yeah. that's that's definitely something I think you all have done really well. And uh, yeah, it's cool to. uh to uh, be here talking about those things. Well, thanks, man. I really appreciate that. It is, I totally get that because it is sometimes it's, it can be a little bit tempting to be like, well, like we can, you know, bring this dark thing up and let God just transform it. And like, I mean, yeah. not that that sounds really dumb, but like sometimes there's things of like, well, if we put it out there, people, and we, and if we justify and explain it enough, it won't sound as bad. Right. You know, there's tons of ways that you can like I'm justifying something like just like 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 there's this guy on Twitter who like in college I just couldn't stand. I just <laughs> thought he was the most insufferable human being in the and like we all just kind of quietly put up with it. Now he's huge on Twitter and getting all of all of like this attraction because of you know he's you know Catholic and like uber liberal. Ooh. Yeah. Um that's how exciting. Um and I'm <laughs> and like we I started to be like, you know what? Screw this guy. Let's just like crap. And then like he got real mad. And I was like, of course mm-hmm. you did. And then I was like, you know what? Like he's right. We like mm-hmm. that pains me to say this. Um <laughs> he didn't ask for any of this. You know, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the worst thing he did was like I blocked him on Twitter so I just have to see his crap. And because this was like, you know, it'll like bring it up. Like, here's like yeah, an yeah. account. Like, it'll say, it'll, it'll, like, they'll, sh- they'll have a tweet on there from an account that like I muted. And I'm like, I muted it so I don't have to see it. Why are you telling me here's a tweet of something that like you have muted that you might like? For sure. And so I'd see sure. it and be like, this guy's such an asshole. <laughs> and then, so I blocked him thinking that that might help. And then he like found that we did and posted a screenshot, complained about it. Oh, gosh. And that's when yeah. I was like, I should probably yeah, cut this whole part out. I'll do the exact thing I said that you don't want to do. And his name is yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, go, so, okay. So going back to my, I mean, I'm glad to talk about why you think we're so great. But hmm. like, why I wanted to have you on was there was just a couple things. Like hmm. when you say that, like nonprofits don't go speak to their donors. There are t- two reasons why I wanted to uh, why I wanted to have you on. Bes- like besides the fact that like you have a really good um podcast and, and to hopefully just get a couple people who will go and uh, listen to it. One is that we have a lot of people here who like work in ministry or who have volunteered or at least at the very least have a soft spot for that and care about things that are happening in the nonprofit sector. So right. they may not put it that that way, but like pretty much everyone like at least cares about um something because they're. They are um, Catholic in the churches of 501c3 in their country. You know what I mean? Right. So like – Yeah, for sure. It, it, uh, and then two, I think um, getting getting a donor meeting is actually one of the hardest parts and the scariest parts of this job because you essentially are cold calling a person, especially when you're brand um, new to a job, which most people stay in the job for like what, like one year or so? Yeah, so yeah. you're always new. <laughs> um, and you're like, hey, stranger that I don't know, can we grab lunch? Right, <laughs> you know, that's pretty right. much like why – and then I have – so I, I thought if you want to, we just kind of like talk like a bit about like what you do and why that's so fascinating. And then I have some people on Patreon who like ask some questions. 
oh, sweet. about that. I thought that we could do it. And we'll talk about your mom and healing and stuff too, because I'm actually pretty unfascinated. <laughs> All that boring nonsense. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's great. <laughs> I definitely want to hit both. There's like some people who are like, get to the fundraising. Some people who are like, we'll talk about this miracles, please. <laughs> 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 we'll get there. Um, like, so why do you think, like, why is meeting with a donor important? Or, or like, if, if actually, let me, let me, like, let me turn this around a bit. We have a lot of people who give to, like, a focus missionary or, like, a lot yeah, of people who sure. listen to our show. They're not giving $1,000. They're giving, you know, $10 a month to their buddy who's in focus or they're giving, you know, $100 a year to this one, this one, like, this one thing. Why, if I give to a, like, a, if I give to an organization, why is it, why should I meet with them? Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. No, most people don't come at it from from the donor's perspective. But a, a few things. <laughs> I know, it's, like it's called being stakeholder centric, my friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Luke giving away millions yeah, yeah. is very interested in the side of the uh, the donor. But um, yeah, okay. So why would you, why would you as the donor say yes to a gift officer reaching out asking for a visit with you? That's mm-hmm. that's essentially the question. So, yep. yep. Okay, let me start with why you wouldn't say yes. The main reason a donor says no when someone reaches out is because the fundraiser gets the purpose of the visit completely wrong. And th- th- so this will make sense in a minute why I'm going at it backwards, but this is one of the biggest shifts I think we have to undergo as fundraisers is we think that we need to we need to get in front of the donors so we can better tell them about what we do. It's like mm-hmm. we've we've got emails going to them telling them how awesome we are. We've got letters going to them telling them how awesome we are and asking them for money, of course. We've got social media telling them how awesome we are and asking them for money. Well, let me just get a visit with them so I can better tell them about how awesome we are in greater detail and then ask them for money. When you're going at it from that perspective, donors don't want to say yes to that. No one, and it's a common objection a donor will bring up when we request a visit is, no, I I already know about what you do. I'm sold. I don't need any more information. And so when the donor thinks the purpose of this visit is for them to sell me or convince me of how awesome they are so that I'll give them more money, then th- then they shouldn't say yes. It's like, a, like wh- why would I want to do this? But a donor says yes. There's several reasons. But one of the reasons is because they believe they're going to be in greater uh, personal relationship with the organization where the organization can get to know them better and make them feel, you know, you brought up the stakeholder thing, make them feel like a truly valuable stakeholder that, that mm-hmm. has something important to share, that has stories to tell, that wants to, that wants to have their story listened to. Like when, when someone gives 10 bucks a month to a focused missionary, they're not doing that because, well, uh, you know, my pastor tells me that I should give X percentage and it's just some, like it's not some, uh, it's usually not just some dry mathematical calculation. It's like I give to a focus missionary 
because when I was in college and I did some things I deeply regretted and felt completely alone and, you know, horrible and like hated myself, someone reached out and said, hey, do you want to go get lunch? Do you want to go to mass with me? Someone reached out to them and invited them into the faith. And that type of experience is what drives someone to want to give. It's usually something deeply yeah. personal. So when the yep. donor feels like this is going to be an opportunity for me to become more of who I want to be, that's when they say yes to a visit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think like a lot of times the it's it, it is surprisingly important for an organization to under, to know the people who care about them. Like and understand like For why sure. they do that, so that you can then on, on a deeper level invite people into what you are doing, even if it's just through prayer, if it's just through only giving money, or just different things unlike that. And I think it's something that I learned when I was at Glenmary because they have a you know long history there. They have a mm -hmm. lot of great donors, amazing people. These preaching brothers do amazing work, and they have a donor base from you know all over the country who are very um, devoted to like what to what they do. And it was so one thing. I don't think I'm talking out of school here by. Um, telling people this but like one of the things that surprised me was how often we would like you just go and just talk with people right there was no there wasn't even an ask there was just like a hey we just want to know you like how can like yes. like like you are such a big like without you we can't do all these things we can't you know the work they do is really incredible with just people from all over i mean you know they're in they're in areas where the catholic pop population is often two to three times that of the national um Sorry, I'm 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 screwing things up here. Where the yeah, yeah. they're the where, opposite. Yeah, thank you. Where the poverty rates are two to three times higher than mm. than the than the national average, and the population is less than one percent Catholic. So people are mm. super interested to be like, oh my gosh, tell me about like what you are what you are uh, doing there, and they, and it's a pretty easy thing to really um, get behind. But it's even more interesting is to hear why people like to, not more to, but like as a person who had to, had to raise money for them the organization it was very important for us to know why people cared about what like what they were doing it's like what i think that does mm -hmm. is it really helps one it helps them validate what like what what you are doing and it helps you understand um like there's like they really view people they really did they view their donors people who were like their co-workers they're like commissioners is what they would um, call them and they yeah. genuinely um, viewed them that 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 way and ultimately it comes down to a relationship is a two-way street, right. and if you don't know that other person's always just this one, this one upside thing, and actually both people lose because, like, the organization is better for understanding who these people are, why and why they care about them, and how they can get them even like even like more involved with um with what they care about, and then. As like a donor, I think you feel better about this group because you now have a personal tie and you feel unknown and understood. Like you're a little, you feel because you are. It's 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 putting like a tangible thing on a thing that's already. It's actually almost like um sacramental, in the yeah. sense where it makes this thing that's happening the visible. Your right. support of this group it puts flesh to that. Yes, and it's a sure. really interesting. It's it's a like it's kind of a feel that I wish more people could just try because yes. I'm like this is really cool. Like. 
well, I mean, there's things that are very, very tough. And boy, do I want to get into that. But like, it's, <laughs> oh man, man, yeah. I, we could, we need to do a, uh, you know, behind the paywall uh, Fox is stories <laughs> that uh, yeah, should not be shared. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, it, it really is like, I know, I just really want to encourage people, like, if there's a nonprofit that you care about that you give to, like, call up someone and say, can I just grab, I would love to know more. I'd love to just talk with you and tell you why I care about yeah. this. Yeah, because for just, sure. And exactly what you said. So this this is such a key point that I'm I'm glad you brought up the when you, when you were at Glen Mary and y'all would just go visit with people and there there wasn't an agenda, you know? Like you're just there. This is I am uh I'm a very driven person like to a fault a lot of times and many of the one-on-one coaching clients I work with, they're all like executive directors or CEOs of nonprofits. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them are founders. They're very driven, like let's get crap done kind of people. Yeah. And one of the things they struggle with sometimes is, okay, so I went on, I went on this visit and they, you know, they, they gave a gift. Um, what do I get done on the next visit? And a lot of times I'm just like, Like you don't have to have a reason like you just you just go visit with the person and just hang out basically like like you you don't have to have now there you should overall have a trajectory of where you're trying to go with the relationship and the donor should never feel like confused or like what are we doing here kind of thing. But at the same time, like we, we live in a world that friendship is so um lacking in that people people have a hard time understanding as a professional fundraiser it is not only okay but it is good for me to just visit with my donors several times a year where 90% of the conversation we're not talking about the organization or money we're just being in relationship and that's that's one of the things that that's what I've loved so much about working in major gift fundraising over the years is like it's just it's just the most beautiful, uh, authentic like way to just be in front of people and care about them outside of, you know, doing that as the ministry itself. And it's just a uh, it's just an amazing thing. So, yeah, 100 percent agree. People get out there and try it. And uh you don't have much to lose other than your dignity. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> Listen, um, worst, worst case thing that happens is they scream at you and hang up the phone. So I've had it happen <laughs> once. It's fine. You just freak exactly. out about and you just like I'm going to process your your stuff in a very intense way and then you're good to go. Uh, For sure. It, like uh, mm-hmm. what, how would you – so for people who don't know like what do you even mean by like a major gift um, a donor, how would you define that? Yeah, so <clears> – <throat> I'm uh <laughs> it's funny I uh I don't really have much in the way of uh technical qualifications for what I do. I've never uh I'm not a certified fundraising executive. I've I will never never uh, get that. I will never get that. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I will never get that. Funny, funny thing I wanted to uh, I wanted to make my LinkedIn uh thing and this is not a serious uh jab against CFREs. It's mostly just a joke. But I wanted to make my tagline, you know, Kevin Fitzpatrick, not a CFRE. And <laughs> didn't pay for the <laughs> Right. And and you know, the only reason I say that in in all joking aside is there's no 
class you can take. There's no test you can pass that makes you able to do what you described as the most challenging thing, which is pick up the phone, call someone you don't know, and tell them, I'd like to schedule a visit with you regarding our organization. Your ability to do that consistently with discipline for years at a time is Mm -hmm. what makes someone extraordinarily successful at major gifts. So that's my little, you know, you don't need a bunch of qualifications. You just got to go do it. How do I define a major gift? Every organization is different. To me, some organizations, it's $1,000 or more. Some it's five, some it's 10, some it's 25, 50, 100 grand or more. It just depends on the size of the organization. When When I think of major gift fundraising, I think of face-to-face fundraising. So yeah. instead of – It's a great instead way to put of, it. It, Yeah. It, you know, it's like every person's definition of a major gift is going to be unique and every organization's. It's like if, if you got a $500 million annual budget, you've got a different definition of a major gift than an organization that's got a $200,000 budget. Yep. And if you're someone that gives away $1,000 a year as all of your charitable giving – your definition of a major gift is very different than somebody that makes a thousand dollars a day on interest in their mm-hmm. checking account. Um, yep. Yep. And so to me, it's just, it's the, the type of fundraising that is based on personal relationship. It's not, we send you emails, we send you letters, you come to the event and give what you give, what you give. It's I'm in personal relationship with them. I, you know, visit with them either in person or virtually on a pretty regular basis, and when appropriate, I ask someone for a specific gift. That's such a great way to put that. That's especially that like the the two parts there about it's a personal relationship. It's about that, but not like like getting in getting in the trying to get in front of people, and then at some point in time, I'll ask for a specific gift. Because yes. really, like um, I know I've I've heard you bring this up in 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 the past, and like. And other people have almost said this as well. But for the most part, I think, like, if you want to, like, add zeros to the back of a gift, just, like, pitch a really, really good, like, good vision. But, mm-hmm. like, flip side of that, I think, is, um, is like, also, I'm going to turn off the air conditioner now because I'm freaking hot. Uh, <laughs> and hot, which is why I would have it on. But I'm also, it's also very, I'm loud. It's blowing hot air for some reason. So, um, <laughs> it's weird. Uh, the, like... <laughs> Patreon.com. Yeah, I know. It's <laughs> such a mess. Um, <laughs> like, as okay, I, I, there's a, I'm going to try to um, think this out because like there's like um, something there to this that I think yes, I yes. think is interesting. Okay, so blossoming, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, the um, if you want, like, I really do think if you want to like build excitement for what you are doing. I would almost just like just it's it's almost like um, just talk to people about it yes. and, and and like really yes. try to understand them. So it's 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 like like obviously um, because it okay here's 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 why it's really just the same thing. Which is like if you if you want to th- this idea of like I want I'm cast a vision I'm going to get people like excited that presumes relationship, right? 
you know, or like, right. or the, or the, or like the ability to like, you know, have, have that. And people will give some sacrificial gifts of cash or their time if they, or just through their prayer, if they care about what you are doing. So the most, I, I really do think like the most important thing most non, 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 nonprofits can do is to devote time to talking to people yes. and, and, and like really understanding them and what they care about and how that relates to what you are doing. Because like, there's a volunteer crisis right now. People do not volunteer. Mm-hmm. It's been, you know, it's pretty much, uh, it's not like a rapid de- decline, but there's definitely been a, a decline. It started in the nineties. It's not really anything, um, not mm-hmm. anything, anything like new now. And how people say you get more volunteers is you go and you meet and you talk with people. It's, it's the exact same thing of like, right. of when you go do a donor visit, it's, it's the same template. Like it's yes. the exact yes. same it, thing. It, it, it's, it's with everything. I mean, one of the things, so a point I'll make to those of you who are listening and are in fundraising, there is never a reason to not visit with your donors. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that might sound kind of silly, but I know some of you are listening to this right now who are like, oh, well, you don't understand because our case for support isn't finished and we got this big thing we got to get done. It's all nonsense. Um, you have to go visit with your donors because exactly what you said, like, okay, you don't have a case for support. Good. Go talk to your donors. Find out from them what's the kind of stuff we should be putting in here. What's what motivates you to give? What are the things you want to see? Um, if if you're new to the organization and you're like, well, well, I don't know anything about what we do. So if I were to go out and visit with our donors, I'd kind of make a fool of myself. No, go. There's no one you're going to learn more from about the organization than your major gift donors. So go visit mm-hmm. with them and. It's always exactly what you said, you know, yes, you need to create that vision. You've got to have a clearly, clearly defined vision, but even before you have that being in front of the donors is part of what can help shape that. And, you know, I think about, I think about in my own consulting business, when I made, when I started the business that I'm running now, one of the reasons I was as successful as I was very quickly is because I didn't. I didn't focus on any of the stuff that doesn't matter. Um, I just, the first thing I did was go meet with a potential client. I didn't have a website. I didn't have business cards. I didn't, I literally had nothing. I just went and visit. I just met with this guy. I said, I'd like to meet with you. I got an idea of how I might be able to help you. I was like, I've never done this before. This is how I propose it would work. This is how much I'm going to charge you. And <laughs> this could go horribly wrong. You're still right. going to pay me though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> yeah. and it was fun. And it was funny because I was, you know, it was funny. We were having these negotiations back and forth. You know, I had the meeting, uh, by the end of it, he seemed like, yeah, let's do this. And then he's thinking about it and he calls me back, you know, later that day. And he's like, well, you know, I was thinking about it and the, the fee you've got here would mean that your rate is like whatever an hour. And that just seems really high. And then I was telling him, I was like, look, you're going to look back on this, you know, three years down the road, and you're going to have raised millions of dollars because of the stuff you're going to learn and and what it's going to change in your behavior. And he goes, <laughs> and so I'm, I'm making up these numbers here, but let's say I was going to, let's say I was going to charge him $5,000 to do this. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, so he's like, well, if that's the case, if I'm going to raise millions of dollars, why don't you charge me $100,000? And I was like, because I don't think I could convince you to pay me that much. And, <laughs> and it's funny because fast forward to you know today, 
three years later, that organization is still a client of mine. All of those things that I projected have become a reality and I'm you know, still working with them. And what I do today with my clients is very different than what I started with all those years ago, part-time with nothing. But it was getting in front of a human being and understanding their situation to the point that I could then provide my solution and tell them, I think it would help you to buy this. That all of those are the, the things that came, turned into what my business is today. And it's the exact same thing in major gifts. Your first, I went on over a thousand visits in my career. And most of them, like the first 400 were probably crap beyond belief. Mm -hmm. And it's all a learning process. And so just get in front of your donors. Even the things that you consider a total failure are going to be things that you learn great value from into the future. And and that's one of the things that I think is like uh, was really tough about COVID actually was like I um, was ultimately like I think why I switched why I switched uh, jobs was I just wasn't able to get in, in front of people. Yeah. You know, because I was traveling, I was traveling unnaturally. And that's just like totally wasn't wasn't impossible. And it, it, there was this. I, I actually uh, I remember talking uh, with my counterpart at Glenmere, and, and we were just like, hey, because we, we were both um, new to fundraising. I was like ten years older than her, and I was like, this is crazy. Like, how old? This is so nuts. But like, uh, yeah, yeah. I remember we were just like, we just got to get reps. We have just got to get reps. Like, it was yes. nice. like we just have to get used to getting in, in, in front of people. And we were like. You know, um, and so we were like going online mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to like get meetings and do all this stuff. And right. like, what's a, I'm, I remember like going through this thing with uh, the Veritas group or something about like how yeah, you got to yeah. get to the point where they like, you know, have like, you know, a desire. Or something. I was like, I, 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 I understand like if they're saying it just it really is the hardest part. So do you care if I ask you really? really well, actually, yeah, and anything you want to ask, go for it. OK, how, how are you doing on on time? Do, do we're you, good. Are, you fine? OK, as, good. As good. long as the kids don't wake up, we can. <laughs> We can rock on until Perfect. four in the morning. So <laughs> that's not going to happen if I have an eight fifteen donor <laughs> meeting. So <laughs> okay. Um, uh, well, I want to change. I'm gonna like I'm gonna pivot a bit, but then I'm gonna go back to like how to how to yeah. get meetings. Why is it necessary for a nonprofit to raise money? Mm. Like, why okay. is it so important that they that they do that? Man, this is a really interesting question um, and one that has more significance than I think some people realize. There's a few reasons nonprofits need to raise money in, in my estimation. One are just the obvious ones. It's like if we don't raise this money, we can't pay people, we can't do the good stuff kind of thing. That That's one. That's just kind of survival is like mm -hmm. uh, yeah. getting the money we need to do what we've been doing every year for the past 50 years. The next reason is growth is like, okay, we are, you know, we're feeding 50,000 people each year in this city who are going without meals for lunch, but there's 500,000 people who every year don't have, you know, a hot meal for dinner, like yep. creating the vision and then a cost associated with achieving that vision to, to grow the organization. And and that's an interesting one. I'll, I'll, I'm going to go back to that one in a second. But kind of the third reason, and I'm making all of these up on the fly, so <laughs> no, I'm fine. not like back in uh, <laughs> back in my PhD program in fundraising. Uh, the third reason is helping people grow in generosity. 
<clears throat> and mm-hmm. and this is mm-hmm. one. So I'm going to focus on those second two for a moment. So there there's an organization that I've you know spoken to over the past year or so, and they might even be listening to this. But they were they were kind of like bragging to me at one point about how like they're just kicking butt raising money like they they basically don't even need to try it's just like focus (laughs) (laughs) not focus not focus but um but they are kicking butt too well done yeah Um, yeah yeah, yeah. seriously but there there is uh so this other organization they're just kicking butt everybody loves them i love them i've given to them because it's just Mm -hmm. like like you can't resist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so and so they're just sitting on all this cash. And I mean like 24 months kind of in in reserves almost. Oh, and that's amazing. And they were just you know they were kind of bragging to me about how like they're doing so well and it's like they don't really need to do anything and they were kind of saying how you know all these other organizations they're like struggling and you know like what's the deal why don't they get it together? And, you know, they were kind of saying, like, they've kind of done some poor planning, maybe. And my challenge to them was, if I were in your shoes, I would think of it more from the perspective of, what are we, like, what are we denying people by being so comfortable right now? Mm -hmm. Yeah, both on the side of, both on the side of the beneficiary of the organization, like the people who are not going to be served because we're just sitting here comfy, mm-hmm. but also what are we denying the donors who have a desire to do something great with their money and your organization is kicking butt and like like there's a lot of organizations that suck and like do not do a good job at what they attempt to do and like it's not a good place to invest mm-hmm. a significant amount of money. This organization is. They do everything with excellence. And it's like, man, you're you're denying someone who's got 10 million dollars sitting in the bank. You're denying them the opportunity to put 2 and a half million dollars into this thing because our vision is so limited. And we're we're just thinking, well, it's nice to be comfy here. And it's like, well, what if what if we chose to be uncomfortable because we were stretching so far in what we were trying to achieve. So those are the, you know, we need to raise money because there are people we need to serve who are not getting help because we're comfortable. And then we're also, when we're not raising money, we're letting, uh, we're letting people who could be doing a lot more, we're denying them the opportunity because it's like, like I tell my clients all the time, I I get, and everybody does, pitched with opportunities to spend my money to make my life better. Oh, your refrigerator for $1,000 only keeps your food cold? Well, how about you buy this refrigerator for $4,000 that keeps your food cold and has a TV? Like, like stupid stuff like that. that and for 5000 we we'll we'll have the monster from Ghostbusters pop out. <laughs> Right, right. Like, like just, just like stupid, like, why do we need this things constantly ding, 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 watch a YouTube video. Here's an ad. You need a Tesla, you know, open up a podcast. You need, uh, whatever like thing that's going to make your life awesome. 
not athletic greens. You should actually buy that. Yeah, yeah, that, that does on. make a difference. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I really miss it. Having them, yeah. Oh, boy, we were but, more on top of our sponsor game. <laughs> so laughable. But my, my point is, is, I mean, if you live in the U.S., you are constantly bombarded with companies that are trying to tell you, put your money into this thing and it's going to make you happy. And we do. We do it all the time. We swipe the credit card like it's like there's, you know, <laughs> no tomorrow. Yeah. But how many times does a human sit down with us and and listen to our story, understand what are the things we care about, what's caused us to give to this organization? And then when they understand what really matters to us, asks us for something that's going to stretch us. Like if somebody can stretch to buy a $60,000 car, they can stretch to give a 10, 25, maybe $50,000 gift. If somebody had the guts to ask them for it. Well, and I, I think one big key part of that too, is that like, it's been scientifically proven that like your life is better if you give that like yeah. people, people yes. give to, to tend to be happier. Like they tend to like, just have a, like it actually as a real um, psychological and actually like a health benefit to your life. Like For they're sure. generally healthy if they give more, like it's really interesting. Like there's some sort of correlation between like people who give and, and, and not even really in terms of the amount, just like mm -hmm. that they give and quality of life. Right. Yeah. Because, because you're not, you're not focused on yourself all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not, mm -hmm. Oh man, like I need that fridge. I, iPhone 14 Pro comes out tomorrow. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like I yeah. gotta get it. It's just like when we put our focus on another person for even just a little bit and put some put some dollars behind it. That, yeah, it makes you feel good. It makes you it makes you more of who you were created to be. Exactly. Yeah. It really. Re that's a, such a great way to put it. It really helps you become a gift for others in ways that you sometimes can't even really imagine, you know, like right. going back to the, you know, the whole Glenmere thing. There are people who have given, um, who have given mm -hmm. them stuff for just for um, decades and decades and decades and have never been mm -hmm. to, I'm one of the, they've never been to a mission. They may have spoken with like one of the Glenmarians once, um, but like they see what they're doing and it's important to their own life. And they're willing to give because like, this is so good. I want to be, a, I want to be a, a part of this. And from, and from a fundraising Per perspective why i love this profession when you're able to help a person be involved in a thing they care deeply about uh particularly this is why i like plan giving a lot because mm -hmm. when you're talking with a person about their life's like like basically what they're going to leave behind yeah and when you see what actually really matters to them and like where and mm -hmm. where they want it to go and you're giving them an opportunity to give in a pretty profound way mm -hmm. to a thing that they care deeply about that's amazing Yes, it's a it's, and, it's 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 amazing. It really right. is, and and that's the thing. One of the one of the common mistakes we make as fundraisers. So you know, there's this balance between, yeah, you want to just spend time with people, but also we need to lead people down a path of generosity. This is one of the things I, you know, a big shift for me. I had at some point in my career. I used to go into visits thinking. You know, especially because I got started. I mean, I was I was going on major gift visits when I was uh, when I was a senior in in college. So I'm like sitting in astronomy class, sending emails to schedule I love your visits. Story. It's so funny, and then just like you know, hopping in the the CRV and uh, and heading on over to somebody's office. And and you know, at the time, I was just I viewed my role as 
Uh, I'm just going to go there. I'm going to be really passive. I'm going to feel, you know, they're going to ask questions. I'm going to give them the best answers I got. And then we'll see what happens. Um, but the donor has no, I mean, in most instances, the donor has no idea what they're doing either. So what happens is we go in there really passively and we just have really awkward conversations that don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so, so one of the things we can do is, you know, you're talking about, you know, when, when we can understand people, we can draw out that passion, understand what's important to them. When you get those things in place, the next good thing to do is to ask them for something specific. And, and this is something, you know, people struggle with too, is they want to, they want to ask for, you know, they just want to tell them, you know, I'd like you to consider a gift that would really, you know, whatever you can do. And yeah. we think, we think we're like deferring to them or being respectful, whatever. It's a really crappy position you're putting the donor in because mm -hmm. they don't, they don't know what you expect of them. They don't know what, what to do. Oh, Luke, did I, did I lose you? Oh, nope. I'm, oh, oh, no, why? you're good. Am I gone? I can't, okay. you're, <clears throat> I can hear you, but your, your screen is frozen. But oh, I wonder if I have poor internet. Sorry. That's okay. Keep on going. I'll just keep talking. Yep. Um, but yeah, so basically, um, you know, if we just leave it so open-ended, a lot of times the donor doesn't know what we're requesting of them, so they can't really respond adequately. Mm -hmm. And so either they wind up just not giving a gift at all, or they give a gift that winds up being way less than we thought it should have been. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're back. And it winds up Good. being way less than, like, you know, we don't ask somebody for a specific number. They come back and write a check for $1,000. And we're like, what the heck? What? I, I can't believe that dude drives a $300,000 car and just gave us $1,000. And it's like, well, you didn't, you didn't ask him for anything. Like, how, does, how are they supposed to know what we're expecting of them? But if you sit down and tell somebody, I'd like you to consider a gift of $25,000 to our organization at any point over the next 12 months. Now you've given someone a very clear uh, kind of benchmark and they can decide mm -hmm. I can either do it or I can't. And then they can let us know. But giving people that it's like if you get somebody all excited to want to help and then we're just like, okay, uh, really great having lunch. Uh, look forward to staying in touch. It's just, it's just not it's, fun for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's why like ultimately like trying to because it's, it's almost like going on a date and then like I, I, at times I get tired of <clears throat> uh, tired of this analogy because I feel like it's a little overused. No, but it's they're, also they're good. It's it's right. Like it it's like going on a date and be like, well, I mean, I like it, but see ya. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. It's like you, you want like you ultimately <clears throat> want this person to be in relationship with, you know, like your organization because you think as I mean and. That I mean, like mm -hmm. this presumes that they are passionate about like what about like what you're doing. So here's the thing that they that they care about. You've got the thing that 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 they want. Like bring them to it, you know, right. or bring it. Like give them a chance to be involved. Don't say no um for them. Exactly. You know, and if and, they're like I, if they're like I hate you guys. Like okay, that's that's fair. Let's come back in a month and see how you feel. You know, but like that's yeah, yeah. It's it's like don't uh, you, you ultimately like want their involvement. That's what it for comes sure. down to. Is like, and then that if you know from like a major giving standpoint, if it's I'm, I, I want to make some some you know some type of ask, or for some groups it might be on five hundred dollars. For some people it could be you know like I'm five hundred a million, you know, or like whatever. That's a little bit. Yeah. Um, not for Stanford. Uh, yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It like it. It's it's all kind of the same thing. 
Right. It, it really know? is. Yeah. And, and it's so. funny. It's funny you bring up the the dating thing, and you know you're a little reluctant to, but it's it's so true. And one of the things there's a an amazing book called The Go Giver, um, which everybody should get. I've never heard of that. Not. Oh, it's so good. It's so good? good. Okay. The Go Giver. It's a Who's really it short. Um, it's by two dudes. I uh, can't remember their <laughs> names. <laughs> and uh, one of them's Tom, uh, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I'll refrain from my <clears throat> what I was going to say, but um, <laughs> two dudes and they basically it, it, it's just like it's a fable. If you've ever read any of like Pat Lincioni's books, oh yeah, um, yeah, 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 it, it's that kind of thing where it's a story, and it's basically this uh, this young guy. He, you know, he's got some job in the the business world, and he winds up like wanting to know how to be successful. And somebody tells him about this like old dude that used to work at the company, and he's like the king of business. And mm-hmm. he winds up going to like going to the guy's house, and basically the guy tells him he's like, "Look, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come back here. Like it was you know like a Friday, and he was like, I want you to show up here on Monday, and each day of the week, I want you to come here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday." At this particular time, each day, I'm going to reveal to you one of the five laws of stratospheric success. And the only thing is you have to, when I teach you one of these, you need to go implement it um, in, in your personal life before you come back here the next day. Because the thing is, he said, he's the any true principle of success in business is true in life as well. And so it's this idea that, you know, everything in the five laws of stratospheric success is about like putting others first, serving people. And it's like, you can do all these things in your everyday life. And so what you, when you bring up this idea of like dating, it's, it's this like any major gift relationship, if you're doing it differently than what you would think is the ideal in just a friendship or a dating relationship um, <laughs> outside of the more romantic aspects of a dating relationship, <laughs> then then you're doing it wrong. Because, yeah. uh, you know, this idea that fundraising is schmoozing is nonsense. Like, I hate that. Should, I hate yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime it's like you can go there and go and like, um, network with people. I'm like, you don't understand any of this. <laughs> right. Right. It's yeah. like, just be like care about the person as a person. And that means being open with people, being direct with people. When someone, you know, letting people know your intentions, when you call to schedule a visit, the reason I'm calling you today specifically is to schedule a visit regarding our organization. Don't do what I used to do, which was all this like, which is the crappy dating thing. It's like, exactly. Oh, Hey Mary, uh, what are you doing Friday night? Like it just happens to be the same night as the school dance. Like just tell them what you hope to achieve in this phone call and everyone will be a lot happier by the end of it. (laughs) Well, and so like, like that gets to the thing that I wanted to also talk about 20 minutes ago, uh, was, uh, like, how, like how to get a meeting. Cause I, I have used your strategy and it works so well. Mm. And I like to mix it up sometimes because I think if yeah, I get, yeah. if I, if I'm doing too many calls, it's a little bit repetitive, but it's easy to do it over email, over text. Mm-hmm. 
And one of the things that like you do that you do uh, talk about is like if you don't if you don't if you like do know them well, like maybe mm-hmm. don't use this. <laughs> right. But, like, right, right, right. But like, but so uh, call and ask. But the, this idea of like when you call, I think you're like like, like I mean, I I didn't call it a script. It's, it's just an easy um, easy um, way to say because like I used to do a thing where I would like email be like, hey, if you're free for lunch or coffee, I would love right. to be able to talk about all this good stuff that we have going on. I think you would love to hear about it. Uh, if you've got time, would you be able to meet, you know, it's like, it's very like, I don't want to hurt your feelings. And right. it just, you like, you get friend zone immediately, which is right. like, now I'll get your letter. It's fine. Um, but like, if, why don't you talk for a bit of a little bit, a little bit more about like how you recommend, and this is like, everyone, I want to, if you don't work at pharmacy, I want to try to, I'm set the scene, try to imagine you're calling a person again that you don't know at all. Don't even know <laughs> perhaps what they, what they look like. And you want them to come and meet you for coffee. Right. Yeah. It's just, they're just numbers in a database and it's like, Uh they gave this much money on these dates. And, uh, there might be a note there from the previous fundraiser that says something like, uh, like Mike a little a very bit short, part. like yeah. <laughs> doesn't like phone calls. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks for building up my confidence before I. How smells terrifying... like cats? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, the things in databases. Oh, if there's anything, it's like oh right. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, it stays there forever. <laughs> Even if you delete it. So yeah, so it's just like yeah, as a fundraiser, it's like you've got you've got this list of people <clears throat> they've given you've many of them you've never met. You don't even know, you know, sometimes you don't even know if they're still alive. You don't know mm-hmm. how they got to know the organization. Sometimes there's just it's just total mystery much of the time. So for this type of person that is in your database and you've never spoken to before, the thing you have to realize is it's not technically so a lot of times we go into it thinking it's a cold call we think it's a lot colder than they do because we don't know anything about them but they usually know quite a bit about our organization so when they get a call from us it's not as weird to them as it is to us because they're more familiar with the organization than we might think they are but anyway when you call them, one of the things you have to realize, you just have to acknowledge what you're doing is by definition interrupting them. No matter what they were doing, you are interrupting it. Whether they were watching TV, they're in the middle of a meeting, whatever, you're bothering them. And so when mm-hmm. we call somebody and we're not direct, we don't tell somebody what we're hoping to achieve, and we, you know, we just they pick up the phone and we're just like, oh, hey, Bob, this is Kevin with, you know, Acme nonprofit, how are you doing? Yep. Which is a lot of our inclination. They're just wondering, okay, what does he want? What, what, why is he calling me? They cannot respond to whatever stupid question you ask, honestly, because they don't know what's at stake here. You know, if we ask somebody, hey, is now a good time to talk? From their perspective, I don't know. Uh, is this going to take three hours or is it five <laughs> minutes? And yeah. if it's, yeah. if it's, three minutes, which is how long it should take you to schedule a visit, don't ask somebody, is it a good time to talk? Because you can just get it done in the amount of time you're talking about whether or not you could talk about it. So yep. you're interrupting them. So just understand that and get right to the point. If it's someone in your database who's given that you've never visited with, the exact script I've used to schedule over a thousand visits is this. Good morning, Bob. Kevin Fitzpatrick with Acme Nonprofit. 
The reason I'm calling you today specifically is to schedule a visit regarding our organization. How does next Tuesday at 10 a.m. look for you? And then we wait. And it and, seems and, very <laughs> aggressive. <laughs> well, and, but it's – and any of my donors – I do have a couple of donors who listen will be like, wait a second. <laughs> You're always hey. asking for Tuesday at 10 a.m. I'm like, I know. Copy and paste. <laughs> uh, uh, it, uh, no, but like what I love about that, honest, like honest to God, like why I think it's totally fine to just like – again, like because uh, – Calls, emails, or texts, I've, I've done all of them. Is yep. um, And I, I, I think calls are ultimately the best because it's just a little bit more human than mm. than an email. But there are times when it's just like an email, just oh, yeah. this day's nuts. So let me just fire these out. Or I'm just like, I've had a bad day. I can't right. be in this headspace. I'm like, hey, can I come and talk about our group that I'm just really pissed off at my boss? <laughs> right. It's going to be great. <laughs> you know, like, like, I'm calling yeah. to schedule a visit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're to use your money well, but here we go. You know, I mean, of course, it's not like. I'm probably you know, quitting next week anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but like uh it's like you're really like putting them at ease you're telling them right. like, exactly on what this is for mm. you're you're taking away like it's kind of unfair to be like not only am i going to you know like i'm not only am i going to interrupt your day but now you have to make a choice you weren't expecting to make doesn't that right. suck right. it's like <laughs> now they know what they can say yes or no to and right. most of the time you're going to get a direct response mm. from that Exactly. Which is like, you know what? I'm just, I'm not interested in like in meeting. There are things that I can do if you know, like, um, they do that, but I'll let them take your course to go and go and unfigure um, that part out. Uh, or yeah. there are like, you, you're basically like, you're giving them, it's, it's in a weird, you're kind of like honoring them as, as like a person say, here's a real thing that I would, that we would love to be able to uh, be able to do with you as opposed to some very ambiguous thing. You're telling right. me like, ex- they we're just going to meet to like, I'm going to talk about us, about this thing does does this time work no it doesn't i don't want to meet or it or like actually it does or i would love to meet but can we do it on this date like you just make it so much easier for you know everyone involved because most people again i think you're 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 totally right especially if they love your nonprofit. if your nonprofit is doing really good work they're going to want to meet with you right if everyone doesn't want to meet with you maybe there's something wrong with your organization you know what I mean? like right. but it right. never happens that hardly never ever happens i mean let's i i've with mm-hmm. the two with the two groups that i have worked for um i'd say at layman i probably have to make two calls for every one visit well if that um yeah at <laughs> glen mary it was probably mm, eight to ten for everyone yeah but only because it was like that was national and i was weird about it too i'd right. be, I would be curious to see if i took of this approach how how that would have gotten better there yeah so it's always going to depend i mean the when you're working with an organization like glenn mary where it's just kind of like random people giving mm-hmm. it's yeah. going to be harder to get a visit when it's something like layman where it's a school and like a lot of these people went to the school or whatever exactly your response yeah. rate yeah. is going to be a lot higher and one of the things I'll, I'll encourage people on, and, you know, there's so many details we could go into with this script and all that stuff, but uh, it'll be too boring for most people on this podcast. But one thing I'll, I'll tell you, of, you know, why this works, a couple things. One, it takes away the mental burden of trying to figure out what am I going to say every time I need to do this? Because when I was yep. getting started, one thing you got to do is you got to get your portfolio defined. Whatever it is, 50 people, 100 people, I don't care. Get it defined. When I started at Heroic Media, I was just like, 
uh, I guess I'll try to schedule some visits today. Who? Uh, let me go look at our old programs of our events and try to find somebody. And I'd waste 20 minutes trying to find one person to call. Tom it is. Right. And and then it's like, and it's like, oh, I found a picture of Tom online. He looks nice. I'll try him. And then, and, and then I have to think, okay, what am I going to say? What are the, all the different variables that work into this? And I spend 30 minutes crafting the perfect thing. And then it's been an hour. And then I call him and he doesn't answer. And I was like, okay, I just literally wasted an hour. When, when you know what you're going to say, it just makes it, you can, you can go through 20 calls in an hour, no problem. And so that's one of the, so that, that's one of the things. It gives you, you know, just this is what I'm going to do. The other reason it's effective is people want to say yes to visits. Like I began this podcast with, nobody visits with their donors. I've seen it. It is the principle that my business is based upon. Uh, it was a theory I had and a thousand percent confirmed now that I've been doing this. But but two, I just knew it anecdotally because I'd go visit with donors. You know, one guy in particular I can think of, he wasn't a, a huge donor, but he'd given like, you know, thirty five to fifty thousand dollars to heroic media over the years and we were sitting down for coffee one day and he had been considering starting a consulting business and i had already started mine part-time and so we're talking through this and and i was telling him about nobody visits with their donors it was my theory which was beginning to be proved and he was like you know what now that i think about it you're the only development professional that's ever visited with us and you know they give to five, six different organizations, you know, a thousand dollars plus a year. And I'm the only person that's ever reached out to them. So for those of you who are in a fundraising position, if it's somebody in your database who is not like Bill Gates, who gets requests hundreds of times a day, and it's just a kind of average person, no one's asking them to visit with them. And so when mm -hmm. you do it, it gives that they want to say yes because it's like finally somebody cares that I care. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely, and it just it it is it's the, it's the it's the biggest hurdle I think by far mm. for everyone who yep. works in in that piece right there is just is 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 the biggest hurdle. And when you have a script mm. that you're able to use, and I don't mean script as in like as a thing. I mean just like here's what I'm going to say. So it takes again that like having that like mental that a mental um relief that mm. does all the work, like that does all the work for you. It's you're then allowed to really maximize like because oh with me like so like you know I heard just one podcast where they mm. talked about the like eighty twenty split where there's like okay so if you you know if you break that down say like eight ten there are like two things each day that like you know uh you'd be able to do that would that would like be the biggest thing that you can do and if you work yep. in fundraising i think it's the grind of getting those meetings if you're doing yeah. that you're like you 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 are fundraising on the flip side of that if you employ a fundraiser and you're not and you're giving them thing and Everything to do but oh, yeah. schedule, go and you know, oh, yeah. have like have a meetings. You are literally just putting a shotgun to your fundraising efforts. Yes, it's, yeah, it's, so, it, to me, it's, it's the dumbest thing. It's the dumbest thing that anyone could do. Like by yeah. far, it's not even close. I I will save if everyone that's listening uh, implements this now. It will save good causes and the Catholic Church tens of millions of dollars. Yeah. Oh, uh, 100 percent agree. One hundred percent agree. Stop hiring 
director of development slash. Yep. And the reason for this <laughs> is a, a couple things. If someone's position is director of development slash marketing, what Luke has described, scheduling visits is the scariest thing, most challenging thing that nobody wants to do. And if you have a legitimate reason not to do it, a.k.a. I'm the director of marketing and we've got a crap load of marketing to do, guess what you're not going to do? You're not going to schedule visits because there's always something else to do that's more urgent. Mm -hmm. And so yep. what's going to happen is, and I've seen it countless times, is the director of development slash whatever is going to have a meeting with their boss um, you know, a year in, two years in, and be like, hey, man, uh, you haven't been doing a lot of major gift fundraising. And they're going to be like, well, there's been a lot of marketing to do. And then eventually they're going to get fired or they're going to quit. It's it. It happens like yeah. clockwork. I and mean, go yeah. on anyone who works like, OK, like everyone um, right now, if like you, if somehow you're still listening <laughs> to this, go go <laughs> on the LinkedIn, type in a major I'm a gift officer, go to the first person's page who pops up or like scroll down. So everyone's like going to like one one page. You will see that they will jump about every 18 to 24 months. Mm -hmm. And this is the reason why this right mm -hmm. here, because anyone who works in development can go get a job anywhere because no one wants to do it. So great job security. And this, yeah. for the most part. I'd say probably two thirds, if not more of the, of the time, this is why they leave because right. it just becomes impossible. Yeah. And it is, it is major gift fundraising is a full-time job. It's more than a full-time job. Yeah. And yep. if, if you add on, like not only is the fundraiser going to be inclined to do the thing that's not scheduling visits, but also there becomes a point that it literally is impossible. And it's like, Okay, go plan this event, go do the marketing, send out our weekly emails. The person, no human is capable of doing all of that. And by the way, the type of person like me that is that wants to be face to face with people, that loves kind of the thrill of the experience, the the mm -hmm. exhilaration of like what is on the other side of this phone call? What's yeah. a, what's at the end of this rainbow of a relationship kind of thing? The last thing I could possibly want to do is sit behind a computer and do stuff with spreadsheets or whatever like that just. Yeah. And so and so it's not the same person that does those two things. Well, you're not saving money by hiring one person to do both. You're just flushing it down the toilet. And tons of research like backs backs this up. I, I think yeah. I shared with you that one thing from Stanford in like 2006 yes, yes. where they found that uh, they found that nonprofits that tend to have one primary way that they that mm -hmm. they raised money had way more money going towards going uh, towards their programming. They raised they like raised more. They were able to scale all of these yep. things. And it and, and there now there are two other factors at 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 play as well. One being that they have a donor base that basically aligns with their overall mission, which isn't very 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 hard to to find. And they had an I think I think they're talking more from a development standpoint. They had a structure that supported good fundraising. Right. So you had people who were doing your appeals, who were doing your events, and it wasn't it wasn't falling on this one person. Now I totally get it. Tons of jobs have things where. Uh, people have to do like they have to balance all these different um, all of these different uh, all these um, all these um, different items. Except for I don't think you see it in sales. 
you hardly right. ever see you have like a sales guy and <laughs> yeah. a like Who digital marketing accounting yeah. yeah like sales and like seo like you just don't see that and this is why mm-hmm. i'm raising money is so important because the more you're able to get specialized on people in like involved the better your outcomes are going to are going to be you're going to have a bigger impact if you let people especially with fundraising do the very specific thing try to focus on one thing as opposed to 10 things right so and, like, and this I'm, is yeah, so this is one of the things that uh, – This is like why I wanted to have you on was to just have this, this, this part right here. <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll give you all some hope, hopefully. Um, you know, okay, so what do you do about it? Because there's the seven of you who have made it an hour and a half into our <laughs> major gift fundraising podcast are like, please help us. Um, but – I don't care look. about your jokes. It's the nature of Gomer will edit it. It'll it'll be fine. I know. I can't. I can't wait to see what Gomer does with this. But um, (laughs) uh, anyway, so it's like if you're in a role where you've got these double responsibilities, or like maybe you're just getting started in a role and you don't know where to put your focus, put it on major gifts. And hundred percent agree. I am not the best person uh, to give advice on how to do this tactfully because it's not my strong suit but i mean i when i got to heroic media i was so I, I don't know how much i said about this but i was uh yeah i was like 21 years old when i got started there and i our headquarters at the time was in austin and i was in dallas there were three full-time people in dallas when i came in as a volunteer intern mm-hmm. one of them uh had a baby went like super part-time Another one moved and took another job. And then there was uh, the first guest ever on my podcast, Mike Murray, who was the executive director of the Dallas office. He left to go take another job. So then there was just a volunteer intern, Kevin, left behind. They hired me part time. And, you know, those three people were all doing different things like emails, all kinds of stuff, emails, major gifts, whatever. And I just decided... I'm not doing any of that. I'm just doing major gifts. And so we just didn't send out an email for like a year. Like we used to do a weekly email. I just didn't do it. I was like, this isn't my strong suit. I don't even know how to do it. I'm not going to waste time learning how to do it. Um, I'm just going to go get visits. And some people are going to freak out and be like, oh, well, you missed out. Look, I was at that organization for over seven years and wound up raising more money than anyone in the 20 close to 20 year history of the organization because I was super focused on one thing. And this is worth like putting things at stake over this. Like (laughs) you can do this tactfully and you should have good, reasonable conversations with your leadership leading to why this is important. But if you do not focus on major gifts and you're just like, I'm going to sprinkle a little of my effort over 10 different things. You're not going to be employed there, um, in 24 months, or you're going to be on the verge of like an anxiety attack daily because you just can't handle it. And the, the upside on continuing the weekly email is like, I mean, unless it's what your organization has built its fundraising around, which it might be, in which case you should focus there. But if it's not, and it's just a thing, it's just a task to get done, 
don't let that be the thing that keeps you away from visiting with your major gift donors, which will literally lead to millions of dollars in revenue for the organization. And, and, and that's the thing that I think, like, that's a key part um, right there that if, especially if you have like a little bit of history and you, you know, have a database, even if it's just like, a, I mean, my gosh, I mean, you always kind of say, even if you have two names, go and call those people because they could give you yeah. a, a transformational gift. And you are 100% right about that. Hmm. It, it, let's say you're like a school or you're a church or whatever, and you've got like a list of, of people where you've got maybe one, let's just assume like two decades of people who have, who have, who have um, given, and you really have those names. If you spend, I really do unbelieve this. If you spend maybe just like two to three years, just focusing on major gifts, you will then raise enough to hire the people or to contract out yep. that other stuff that then the like, like pastor, this, cause it really should be the CEO should be, if there's not a marketing person, it's, it's the CEO should be doing yeah. a lot of that stuff. And then, then hiring out all of, all of that other stuff. <laughs> And you can easily have like you'd be surprised how much it actually would would cost when you've got a full fledged a major gift officer doing all this good stuff, right? Because For you're sure. just gonna like again so much of what you raise probably much higher than than before will be going to your outcomes to like your mission, exactly. So. I, I want to jump real quick over to we have a couple of questions on yeah, the Patreon here. If you're if you're okay with that, I think this is going to be kind of fun to answer this. Yeah. These, oh, um, uh, so this this comes from Drew at patreon.com slash CF. That's patreon.com slash CF. I love this question. Does uh, wooing high level donors with perks, private audiences and fancy hotels in some way unbother you when it comes to causes you you truly believe in, especially the more altruistic charity type e events i know it may be unnecessary and ultimately good but i feel like it would get under my skin yeah it's stupid (laughs) (laughs) next question no i'm just kidding oh okay so yeah this falls into the the schmoozing category and yeah i mean people okay there's a level of uh yeah, we, we should do nice things for our donors. Mm-hmm. We should if, – if there's like – if there is some reason that, you know, your donors are coming together for some retreat or event or whatever, um, yeah, you should you should take care of them, I think. But never – the mistake for sure is when we think, oh, I give you this thing and then you give me money. Because like if, if, exactly. if we're trying to make yeah. that kind of exchange – total disaster and the way that i you know one of the biggest things so we we did an event uh years ago at heroic media and it was uh you know we had the typical sponsorships there were like i don't know probably raffle there were different events that had raffles auctions oh yeah so we had a golf tournament that like had all that kind of stuff and it it was it was great really great people who set it up originally um, brought in a lot of new people to the organization, but everything was about, oh, if I purchase this sponsorship, it entitles me to all this stuff. And if I bid this much money, I win a trip to whatever. One thing I did was I got rid of that event. And then in all future events, the only way you could give money to heroic media, I mean, literally only way, because we did free tickets. There were no sponsorships. There was no buying anything the only way you could give money to the organization is if you were giving it purely as a gift because you cared about this cause and that 
is a way better. Like everybody just feels better about it. You're no one feels slighted because they didn't get the right font on their yeah. whatever on the program. Um, and you wind up raising way more money because somebody that gives a gift because they want to save a life or they want to save a soul is going to put way more zeros behind it than somebody who gave a gift because they got, I don't know, a crappy hotel at the, you know, double tree, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I, I go back and forth about this. So like, obviously I, th I think events are like, there's a, if they're strategic and understood the role that they play, you know, he can raise a lot of money, do some really cool things with events. But as those words come come out of my mouth, everyone's like, okay, great, I'll do it. But I'm like, no, but you've got to understand, like, it takes years to get to that point, like years, years. And it's really, and not even necessarily, a, but like friend raising per, per se, as much as I think it's probably more about building enthusiasm for what you are doing. And so yeah. if you want to try to find ways to maybe measure that, like, I, I just, I, I'll, I'll share a story here, which puts me, so on my podcast, you know, I've had several pro-life guests on, you know, had quite a few Catholic people, um, you know, I've got it on my LinkedIn where I used to work. I'm obviously pro-life, but I don't like broadcast it. You know, I'm not having like in this week of one visit away, we're talking about pro-life apologetics mm -hmm. and a lot of that's intentional because most of my listeners are not Catholic. They're not necessarily pro that's not why they come to listen to me but anyway i've had this is another thing we could talk about at some point i've recently had my pro-life uh experience come back to bite me in some like business ways uh which is mm -hmm. another thing but anyway i'll i'll tell this story and hopefully people don't freak out if they're coming from the one visit away listenership and look i'm pro-life okay <laughs> so when i when i worked at heroic media the, the founder of our organization realized Planned Parenthood had awards luncheons in major cities throughout the country. And they had one in Dallas like the year before that raised $700,000. And in Austin, I think they even gave out a Hail Mary award to someone at, at this event. And so our founder was like, hey, we should have an event simultaneous to theirs. And and so me and then That's our... That's kind of awesome. I know, our... Our VP of marketing at the time, who now is the president and CEO of the organization, he and I were, you know, kind of in charge of revenue generation, you could say. And we were like, okay, they're doing this. It was like January. And Planned Parenthood's event in Dallas was like March or something. And we were like, okay, should we try to pull off this event in the next three months? Or do we wait another year when we'll have more time? And we were like... Let's just go for it. We're doing the Either way, we're going to put this off to the last minute. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, right right in the middle of tax season too. So, um, But we decided to do it. Just go for it. And then I added my little spin was, you know, the, the breakfast we had in November the year before, <clears throat> record year, we raised $100,000. And I was like, okay, they raised $700,000. Let's make our goal to raise a million dollars. We're going to outraise Planned Parenthood. This was the this was the big marketing push behind this thing. We're going head to head, same time. They're going to raise seven hundred thousand. We're going to raise a million. I was pretty confident we weren't going to actually hit that number, but <laughs> I I wanted to create a bunch of buzz around this, and I was like, I don't know that we can't hit it. 
because let's just dream big and see what happens. And yeah. so we we put out the goal. That first year we round we round up raising three hundred seventy two thousand. The next year we did seven hundred. The next year we did a million. The fourth year one point two, and the fifth year we did like one point eight million. And that nice. was that was the first year we actually outraised Planned Parenthood. But the reason I bring all this up, Heroic Media raised like five million dollars through this event over the years, and then canceled it. Like they don't do it anymore, and. The reason I bring it up in this context is there's not one cookie cutter answer to all situations. Like it's not like mm-hmm. events yeah, are great yeah, or events suck. It's like, hey, something can be good for a while and then it kind of achieves its purpose. And then we can we can reevaluate every year. And that's something we should all be doing. Yeah, and, I agree with you. I 100 percent agree with you on that sorry I, I didn't mean to, no I, no I, you're good off there but general like, general position is events suck <laughs> no, well, that's like that's the, the typical major gift officer slash like relational on fundraiser like answer but like the person who uh does events at layman she does a phenomenal job i mean she has just she has um you know taking this thing and just i mean just she built mountains out of mohills yeah you know, yeah. like, like out of, um, um, Mulhill, sorry. It's, it's just, it's, it's incredible to see. And she's, I'm such a passion for it. She got so mad at me the first time I ever said that I don't like events. And I was like, never say that again. Oopsies. <laughs> um, but like, and it, so that's, that's why I, I'm always like, yeah, but like there's a place for it when people like know what they're doing. Right. When you and have someone who knows what they're doing, they can be really, really good. Yeah. When you've serve got a real somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think the, the reason events suck, generally speaking, is because people have the wrong objective it's like this is going to be the thing that solves all of our money problems no it's not um and exactly like like you guys have you guys have a community you know this org like a school where people are super involved um you've got someone who's working on events that's their job and it's not a hundred percent of your strategy so when you get those things together it can definitely be a productive thing but but when your solution is hey we don't know how to raise money so let's just have an event it's gonna suck yeah, yeah. Um, I want to ask this uh, uh, this question um, here from Sean. I think this is this is interesting. This is I'm talking about a lot in um, in in, um, in fundraising circles. I'm not sure if there is a way to phrase this better, but do I'm a fundraisers ever? I'm focused on young people and try to establish long term relationships, or do they mainly focus on older people? I'm a, on a legacy or anyone who has more available funds a little sooner. So basically. Mm-hmm. Is it like better to go after the money like I'm right now per se with, with, with people who can give or is there any sort of advantage to going after people uh, who like oh, younger who perhaps can't give as much but can build long term I'm giving. I've never actually heard it phrased that mm. way but this is a constant debate here. People constantly mm. talk about how do we um, bring our average um, donor age on the down. I have some thoughts mm. on this but I want to uh, pass it over to our guests first. Yeah, I liked to spend most of my time in uh, <clears throat> daycares and just really start start really <laughs> young. <And laughs> we're gonna. I'm just gonna sit here for 45 years. Can I tell you about IRAs and the and the charitable <laughs> um benefits of a of your R and D and a QCD? Huh? Have start, you considered leaving us in your will? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stock gifts can really help you in your tax burden. Let's, let's have some conversations. Yeah. Invest in Amazon now, and <laughs> yeah. we're going to be knows? great when I'm yeah. when I'm in the retirement home. Um, okay, yeah, interesting question. I I'm more interested to hear your thoughts because I think you have something intelligent to say about this more than what I'm going to say. My perspective is more 
you should use the criteria you find to be effective to determine who's in your portfolio. And generally speaking, I'm for most organizations, the easiest place to start is just what's their giving history been like. So like if you're coming into an organization as director of development, major gift officer, whatever, I would find, hey, these are the top 250 donors to the organization. Um, looks like our CEO has these 50 people that leaves 200 remaining. Now I'm going to pick my 100 best picks from that kind of thing. Yep. And you can just kind of see based off giving history, um, what's their largest gift, lifetime giving, and just come up with what your list is. I wouldn't worry too much about like what someone's age is. They're just going to happen to be whatever age they are. Yeah. That being said, like I wouldn't intentionally say I'm going to go meet with young people because 10 years from now they're going to be able to give a lot. But I think a lot of people, a lot of times people do use someone's young age as a reason to say no for that donor. It's like, well, that's a great point. It's like, you know, you know, Bob and Sue, they're in their late twenties and they gave us a thousand dollars. So that's probably like the cap on what they could give. So we'll, we'll just not meet with them. You have no idea. Like this is one of the biggest things. Assumptions will kill you in this, in this line of work. And someone's age uh, means nothing about their ability to give. I mean, it can be a factor, but just because somebody's young doesn't mean they don't make a million dollars a year. It doesn't mean they don't have uh, some access to wealth that's like family wealth. Um, you don't know if they've been in some sort of, you know, who knows, some kind of lawsuit where they were awarded $5 million. You just have no clue what's going on. And someone being young does not mean they can't give you a lot of money. So whoever it is, you got to go visit with them. You got to ask good questions. You know, the young couple gives you a $1,000 gift. Hey, Bob and Sue, where does that place our organization in your current giving priorities? Let them talk. And people will surprise you on all ends of the spectrum of how much they can give. Well, and I... I because I, um, I'm going to steal from uh, the good people over at um, Ask Genius. Uh, the I always get their last name wrong, and they were sponsors for the podcast for a while. Uh, it's the Pranger Group or like Pringer Group. Uh, I, 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 I know nothing Nick about this. The other day, uh, they basically had a, like a thing about this was this was about appeals and a person had because it really it, okay. it, this is a. Um, a big debate. People are trying to bring down the age of their average donor because they're worried that they're that especially Catholic organizations they're starting to see their average age of their donors go up to like 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 mid seventies, which I think is somewhat of a red flag. Emphasis on yeah. somewhat. Um, why I bring that up is because so they say over the, the fine folks at um, Ask Genius, which I really love what they do with appeals. Um, the average age of a donor, and I've heard this as well, has has actually. I heard, and, I, and I actually uh, heard this in grad school has always been 68. Huh. There's nothing you can do that's going to actually change change that. It always has been, always will be. People who are older just have a little bit. Of, they have more time to, to to find things to give to that. They have you know like they basically have the income to be able to give or you know all of, all of this stuff. So it's I would I would be a little bit concerned if my average age was like increasing if. If my overall like, revenue was not also dramatically increasing as well, so yeah. if like if you're kind of staying relatively 
if you're not seeing a lot of growth or you're seeing heart, like, like hardly any, and that's going up, then I would, you know, like just talk to anyone and everyone. But yeah. I, I think this kind of like obsession with how do we get young people? I've heard this way. I've, I have seen a money poured into apps. I've seen a money poured into tons of things to try to get young people that don't really work. And I think, I think you're totally right that like just really focus on don't make a choice for, for a person based on their age. That being said, if you do want to try and engage some young people, because I, I think for like long-term stuff, that's n- not necessarily a bad idea, but I wouldn't do it with the, with the goal of revenue. I would do it more for like involvement. Yeah. Yeah. You and know, I think and, that that's like a broader, you know, like, so I'm on ask geniuses website, which is, I've never heard of them before, but they, you know, seem awesome. Nick Pranger, Pranger, thank you. I was like, he's man. Yeah, they were huge sponsors like during the uh, during the pandemic, and then they're like, "Hey, we're actually people. I'm gonna need a lot of help, so we're good now." And I was like, yeah. "Fair enough." <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, you know, they're they got these T-shirts on there that say "We Drink Data," <clears throat> and I think it's much more of a question. It's like much more of like a global, like big picture kind of thing. That mm-hmm. I, I I I get the question more now that you've brought it up there. <clears throat> I think that makes a lot of sense. Definitely not my uh, area of, you know, I just bring it back to the dumb who's in your portfolio and well, that, go see with them. But I agree. Like, I, I actually think I'm really interested in like, so if I were growing a development team, like I agree that the first thing I would do is major gifts and that'd be it. Right. And then I probably would hire a person to do, to almost focus on appeals. And like, I guess I would do like, doing a marketing if you will so like the appeals that would be your like um emails and all all of that stuff probably the next thing that i would hire i probably would have like a plan someone doing plan i'm giving but then after that and i really do i mean this i'd love to see more people doing this is hiring a person to uh, to really try to meet with people who are basically um you know who are giving around like 100 to say 500 dollars yeah, and again, this all depends upon like organization, but like really trying to focus on people who are, who are I'm giving each year who aren't giving high amounts just to get just to get to know them and to really understand them and that building up on those relationships, which I think which I think will lead to higher giving. So we got to go here relatively soon, but I want to yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. What else? You got? I think we kind of um, I think we kind of answered Darby's question. She asked, "Why did you get into this as a career?" Always asking people for um, fuck money has always only made me feel like awkward and you know even ashamed have you ever mm-hmm. felt that way i i really don't i have no problem not being like can you give us a million dollars please thank yeah, you yeah. <laughs> yeah. i i like have a little i would like some more that's where you come in <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah so i've yeah i wouldn't say i've ever felt ashamed i've i've generally been nervous i've been you know freaked out um but i've, I've never been ashamed because i've always believed really deeply in the cause mm-hmm. and yeah you know yeah. If, if you don't believe it's just like yeah what we're doing at this organization is incredible your gift helps do more of that i'm gonna ask and i'm gonna ask in a in a big way so yeah i think if there's if you're feeling ashamed a lot of times it's because the cause sucks or we're focusing too much on ourselves rather than the donor and the the beneficiary. And I, I do think some people just aren't the biggest fans of like talking about money or right. for asking for, and, and for there's sure. nothing wrong with like, I definitely don't. For sure. And I'm, I'm not saying like, you're not saying this or you are like, 
it's not a career. Everyone must be yeah. a fundraiser. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think I'm, some some like I, sometimes I don't like it when like can, I, I definitely agree that everyone should be trying to get people to like be involved. But I'm like, man, everyone should pick up fundraisers. Hey, I'm a fundraiser. Some people are kind of weird, right? Like <laughs> you don't want that talking for us. <laughs> but it uh, it it um. It really like there it, it, there is there um is a theory um in fundraising called right I think it's called right balance fundraising and the idea is that we've got a little bit too donor like donor centric to the point where we forget that the people that we are and you've you've really um hinted at at this the people that we are raising money for have a right to have someone ask on their behalf so like Aaron yeah. um raises for a eight eight Saint Vincent de Paul that can that will house you know I believe over four hundred um people a night. It costs them around like thir- like three thousand or so each day to keep that place, and they are the last stop for people between the like s- between like you know having to sleep on the like on the street, like like no yeah. no joke. This is this or like moms and kids and dads. This is just you know this is not like this is real on people who don't have anywhere to go. Those people have a right for Aaron to go out every day and to ask for money on their behalf. They're like a human dignity. They like deserve that, and I think when you when you have that attitude and you see and again going back to your point, when you see that mission, when you see it in action, I won't ever forget the little girl. I like I'm one of our missions. This was when I was over at Glen Mary. She was eight or so. She was terrified of me. It was there, you know. It was uh, the priest there was doing a vacation like Bible week, and this girl uh, was probably a, a migrant worker. It was probably like this was her like week off. She probably was, you know. I imagine illegal um should not have been working the hour she probably did work i mean she was eight and this was just and they he did this camp at the parish so kids could have a vacation yeah and like this little girl doesn't speak hardly any english at all was like you know absolutely terrified of me when she was like first when she first met me and i and when i was leaving the church i like almost saw her again and i said bye and she put and she put her like and i, I didn't want to like i'm scared her so i was kind of like okay you know like yeah I, I was just trying to not – I didn't want to, like, you know, overwhelm her. And she actually, like, puts her um, her hand on my arm and she goes, bye. And I honestly, like, almost like, oh, God, I'll raise all the money you need. Right. Like, because it's like this old little girl, because of us being able to be down there, had a break, had a vacation. Right. And, you know, and I, I don't know for a fact if, like, she was out. I'm working. Uh, there would have been tobacco, I think. Uh, no, it would have been tobacco. Maybe, I don't remember. But, like, it just um, – like, that's who we're raising money for. Is so like this little girl could have could like have a church that like a machine exactly. could go to, exactly. And, I'll, and I will, any day I will anyone I will ask for uh, whatever amount for 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 her hands down right exactly and 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 that's it is we've got to you know one of the key things is just reminding ourselves every day of why we do what we do you know one of our one of our donors and I'll tell this real quick is you know he he'd given a lot of money to heroic media over the years and we were able to you know, get him a picture of a baby that was saved because of one of he and his wife's gifts. And he, he kept, he, you know, he told us later on that he kept that picture on his desk so that every day he could remind himself of why he goes to work so he could give more money to save more lives. And it's like, if we could take that attitude, it's like, man, if you're not calling somebody because you're worried about what it's going to, who cares what's, yeah. you know, okay. It's uncomfortable to call somebody to schedule a visit, get yeah. over it. And, and it's because those people, the women, the children, uh, whoever it is that we serve, you know, reaching out to people through ministry, it's like they're worth it. And if we don't make that call, nobody else is. Yeah, I agree. 
and, and and to me that's why like this is this is really um ultimately why i wanted to have you on because i think it's so important that catholic organizations raise money because the stuff we're doing is super important for sure like whether it's evangelization or doing um homeless ministry or all the different things that that people do all the wonderful and wonderful work um it's like it needs money to it i want the people i know who are really freaking good at their jobs mm. who would love to work for one of these things if they could to be able to have a salary that works so because yes. i could because i because like i know that if they could work for this group it would make their mission that more powerful and it would and you have the gospel going out to that many more people or there would be that many more people who are like i'm homeless who would, who would have a place to sleep like i just i without a doubt and that's why this is so important because this is how you make it happen yeah can I ask you one more, like one yeah. more question? Because I think this, this one's actually is pretty pretty important here. And then we and then uh, we will um, end with this. Uh, this uh, this uh, comes from Michael over at patreoncom cf. Uh, how does one draw the line between respecting the wishes of where a donor wants their gift to be directed and where a need actually exists? Tell me if you've ever heard about on this before. On one hand, it's a, I'm a donor's money, but on the other hand, what's the point of it being a, I'm a gift event? It's not like an, an investment or is it? Mm. Love that question. That's a, I saw, I was like, oh, I've got to ask that. That's a really, really good question for sure. So it's interesting. A lot of times, the way we walk into a conversation kind of determines the outcome. We don't realize this is happening as much. And what I mean by that is the number of times I asked someone for a gift at Heroic Media and it was restricted was like two or three times out of over a thousand. Really? And the reason, (laughs) the reason for that, okay, there's a lot behind that, but part of it is, You start with a clearly defined vision. We're trying to achieve this goal, which is right now, you know, the problem is a woman finds out she's pregnant. She does a Google search for information on abortion. Every time she does that in any city in the country, she'll see an ad placed by Planned Parenthood. So at Heroic Media, we would place an ad directly competing with theirs to put her in touch with a local pro-life pregnancy help center. Our goal is to be present doing that 24-7, 365 everywhere in the country cost $9 million to do that. That is the rough presentation I would give to everyone. So we're doing everything we can to get to that $9 million so we can achieve this goal as fast as possible. I'd like you to consider a gift of $100,000 at any point over the next 12 months. When I ask for someone in the gift, for a gift in that way, people just say, yeah, I'm on board because they want to make this vision a reality. A lot of times gifts wind up getting restricted because we restrict them. And the donor doesn't even care. Like if I would go into it and say, well, you live in Philadelphia. So how about I ask you for a gift local to this area? And it's like, well, if I brought it up that way, then yeah, they're going to be like, yes. And so a lot of times we lead the donor to a restricted gift when they just wanted to be a part of this big vision. So the first thing I would say is a lot of times it happens because we cause it to happen. Mm -hmm. The next thing I would say is if somebody really wants to restrict it, I mean, I would just, if it really is, sometimes it doesn't really matter that much. You got plenty of unrestricted money. It's okay to spend this dude's 10,000 or this woman's 10,000 on whatever. But if it really is, would be more beneficial to the organization, I would just explain it to them. And I would tell them like, 
hey, would you, I would just ask someone explicitly, would you consider allowing this to be an unrestricted gift for these reasons? And if they say no, then you just have to determine whether or not you want to accept that gift. And I mean, most of the time the answer is going to be yes, but I'd also encourage people, it's okay to say no. You don't have to accept every opportunity that comes across your path. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's money or some other opportunity. Yeah, no, I agree. I, oh, so what's so, and I'm, I'm going to try to not go down this rabbit hole though I want to. So what I love about you saying that is so many people define a, a, a major gift as a restricted gift because it is go, it is meant to fund a project because people who want to give it like high amounts. They always say they want to give not to like, not to your overall operations, but to specific projects. Like they don't want to, pay to um they want to pay them they want their stuff to you know go to the mission which yeah, yeah. i understand they don't want to like, fix problems per se they want to like i'm gonna make an impact but i'm like isn't the point of the nonprofit just to fix a problem yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know yeah. but like we can i'm come back to that but so i think it's i i think you're seeing a little bit of of the tide going more towards what you are i'm talking about which is these dollars going to unrestricted i'm giving which again just because anyone isn't quite aware what to we mean by that is a gift that can be used for anything that we want. So there's no, and if there like is restriction, you have to use it for like the gifts intended on purpose. And if you try to change it with some types of gifts, depending upon your like organization and all this stuff, you actually have to go to the courts to get it changed. If yeah. that's more for like a large gift from like a trust or, or like yeah, a foundation, yeah. or that, like, that's, that's not with all, all, all nonprofits. But when you do get like audited and stuff, they're going to want to see this is a restricted gift. I think you can get into some sort of illegal trouble with the IRS. I believe if it's oh, yeah. like I'm something oh, if yeah, it's if sure. you use it like yeah. So it's like you like you have to like you, and almost everyone does unless you're trying to do something bad. But one of one of the challenges though is that um, again the more unrestricted um, dollars you raise, the better your outcomes are. Right. So the more money going to your organization's up op- like operations, the more in the long run that goes to like a mission and you're able to make a, a little bit big impact. And I talked, I think I talked on this podcast before about how, right. You yeah, know, yeah. Um, if you look like, like Notre Dame, they have a $24 billion in endowment with around 7,500 funds. Yeah. So those funds are all, they're all restricted, you know, and it's to Joe Smith from this diocese on this street. went to this, I'm Catholic school only wants it to go to people from this diocese on this street who went to this Catholic school. Right. You know, and, and that's sorry. No, no, you're good. Yeah. And it's like, yes, sometimes we just create that mess for ourselves because we just assume that's what the donor wants. And it's like, sometimes it is for sure. Yeah. But sometimes, yeah. (laughs) I I think there's a big difference between like a thing where it's like, hey, like I have a friend who died. We want to do a, we want to do a scholarship Mm -hmm. in his name. I wouldn't ever go, well, we really need some unrestricted dollars to help pay for uh, health care right. this year. <laughs> you know, I just wouldn't do that. But if it was, I want to kind of get to like a scholarship or a thing, I'd be like, actually, let me tell you why, like, just giving an unrestricted gift is going to actually accomplish what you want it to. Yeah. And two, two things I, I would say are that are important is one, a lot of times we make this mistake as nonprofits is we don't build in cost of the organization to the cost of the mission. So it's like, uh-huh. so yep. we're just like, you know, it's going to cost a hundred thousand dollars to build this church building, whatever. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, that's the cost of like the materials. And then yep. we're just going to say volunteers are going to donate their time. It's like, no, you got, 
you've got the cost of the organization, people's time that's going into that, the people you've had to hire. And this is obviously a tiny little example, but, but build that cost into it so that mm-hmm. like, it's not, we don't just don't tell people the cost is, this is a hundred percent going to specifically the thing, tell them the cost to make this project a reality exactly. all in. Mm-hmm. And and then when you can tell somebody it's going to take us two hundred fifty thousand dollars to achieve this this vision, then you just ask people for gifts to make that vision a reality. And you know, part of each person's gift is going towards overhead or unrestricted, whatever you want to call it. Yep. Um, yep. But that's yeah, that's something you can do to set yourself up for not feeling like, well, we told everyone it was a hundred, and now we have to go raise all this other money to like actually pay people and keep them employed well that's yeah because like that's the real cost of it <laughs> you know like like right exactly like it's <laughs> put in like how much does the executive own the director if that's the big thing that year if half of their time is then half of their salary should be a part of that project right you and, know like, and there's no sorry you go no ahead. no you, you're good this is the thing you know and i've posted about this before this is the most frustrating thing in the world to me when i was working you know when i was employed by a nonprofit, is when people would bring up overhead cost and thinking there's something like by the end of my career in the nonprofit world, I made a pretty good income. And sometimes people would people would ask me, you know, like, well, how much does the organization spend on overhead? And I would tell them the number and like people would freak out and start to, you know, call into question people's personal morality. And it's like, I, I mean, the first year I transitioned into running my business full time, I tripled my income. And it's like, I sacrificed hundreds of thousands of dollars in income in what I was doing in the nonprofit world. And I knew that I couldn't, I couldn't necessarily prove it because I wasn't actually doing it, but I knew it. And it's like, when you have people that are doing amazing things for an organization, as an organization, pay them really well. And as a donor, understand that that is not your money wasted if somebody's if somebody's on a team and they're making whatever the number is and they're generating 10 or 20x that number that is the greatest thing you could ever invest in yep it's not your 50,000 to go pay for the mission thing it's like well that's a good use of my money what if your 50,000 generates a million to go towards that like that's an amazing investment. So it's one of the things, you know, I think it's the biggest opportunity for growth in the nonprofit world is is getting an understanding of, yeah, you've got to pay people and you've got to pay them well. And for donors to understand this isn't a bad part of my gift. It is an equally good thing that's making this whole thing possible. Well, and, and part of the reason why I think bad why people tend to leave nonprofits is because of like just bad culture or just bad environments or the pay and the pay is a part of that. It, it and they're, yeah. they're, I mean, there absolutely does come a time, especially for young people who are willing to take a job where they'll make twenty five to thirty five on a thousand coming out of school, but they're doing a thing that they like. Then they kind of have to stop around. Like a lot of my friends left youth ministry at the age of like twenty seven. Started to have like right. two kids, yeah. three kids. It's like I can't. I'm do this, which is which is a shame. But I, can, but I think there's also like new challenges and other things as well. And you're kind of you know, I'm not saying that that's an immature career but i think a lot of people tend to leave the job they they began after 
after college. It's not a big deal. Right. Um, although you have other thoughts on that, which I would love to get to um, next time, because I thought that was a very yeah, yeah. fascinating post about staying at your job for a while. Um, yeah, and, I'll, and I'll, real quick, I'll just clarify. You know, Money was not the reason I left Heroic Media. Love the organization. Could not have left on on better terms. I just really felt called to, you know, I, I was doing that at Heroic Media. And at a certain point, I just realized there's so much more I can do doing this with a lot of organizations. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, it's been a, a fun journey. Well, I think what you're doing is a real gift. I really, and, and that's why I wanted to um, ha- uh, have you on the show, because I think like what you're doing is super mm-hmm. important. It's been very helpful to me. Um, uh, let, let me just, um, I'll make this um, one point that we can like, um, yeah. uh, that we can like wrap up here. I think one of the things in the nonprofit space that people don't tend to talk about is sometimes the talent they, that they attract, they attract because they can't get hired anywhere else. Mm. And so, or it's like they don't have a lot of options. So this is where I'm going to kind of end, end up. And I think that's not always, not always, but like sometimes I feel like that's kind of like if we are able to attract better talent, we'll have better results. So like, would you rather have a person being paid 100,000 a year who's going to give you $5 million of results or would you rather pay a person two hundred and I'm fifty thousand who's going to give you ten to twenty, right? Exactly. You know, and that's like that's truly what those people are kind of like able to do. So yeah, and and it's funny because there's there is just such a stigma around like there's a stigma about being employed at a nonprofit. It's, it's like, the Catholic Church's fault. I'm serious. <laughs> I blame the church. Free yeah, labor, I mean, man. Right, and and it's just like you know I can't tell you how many times I would uh, just tell people. Even today, it's it's funny. Even now that I like own this business and I'm self employed, but I work with nonprofits. <laughs> like I was at this coffee shop not long ago with my family. Like my family's there with me, and we run into this person who we you know just uh, we like recognized each other through Catholic circles, and yeah. she comes up to us and you know asks my wife something and whatever it was brought up that my wife stays home with, with our, our children. And that like, I'm the only person who, you know, works outside the home. And, you know, I, she asked me what I did and I was like, well, I, you know, I work with nonprofits in this way and I have this business. And she was like, and you can like pay for stuff. And I was <laughs> like, yes. Like, wh- like, what, wh- what do you think? Like, you think- yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you know, children. Like no food today. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, kids. It's just fries. Um, and and I think this is like it. It just drives me crazy because like, and I don't. I shouldn't entirely blame the church, but I do think like our. It's like for whatever reason we're, we're just obsessed with this idea of like you should have the lowest uh, cost per dollar raised. Like we're just obsessed with it, and no one takes a look at like like outcomes. And yeah. but like a thing like Kickstarter or on patreon which is essentially the same thing it's here's the thing that i like here's the thing that i want to exist i'm going to give you money so this thing can happen it's the exact same idea now there's a little bit more like nuance when it comes to a nonprofit because the people who are getting a benefit there's probably you know like but essentially it's just i may not get i'm not it's not transactional Mm -hmm. there's like a deeper part to to that and i and it's we don't bat an eye at that Right. Yeah. You know, know? it's like, you know, everybody's like, oh, you spend more than 6% on overhead. Uh, Yeah. Like, it's funny how people think this about the nonprofit world. But if you ask them like, oh, what's a good percentage a for-profit business should spend on overhead? Uh, Like, it's not even a concept that anyone has ever considered. People want to know, what's the profit? 
Like what, what is the outcome that we're achieving exactly. in terms of exactly. dollars, in terms of shareholder value? No one, care, no one cares what Amazon spends on overhead. And I, I guarantee you, I mean, Amazon lost money for like the first decade of its existence or something. Mm-hmm. And, but everybody loves Amazon and it's like, wow, that's a great company. But imagine if a nonprofit lost money for a year, you know, like, like oh, spent a hundred percent of yeah. the money on because they were trying to build something incredible. People mm-hmm. will literally call for their heads and say they should be in prison. And it's like, <laughs> why, like why, 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 what? You, sir, are worse than Hitler. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. I, I, I was just trying to help people. <laughs> well, and it, 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 it just like, it's funny too, because I think people just, for whatever reason, it's just getting there. It's the weirdest thing. Like we're a country built upon non, like, Nonprofits. It actually like the history of the, of of the nonprofit um, sector goes back to the seventeenth um, century here, where like the yeah. first things people built were basically non like nonprofits because it was like all right, let's create an organization to build this bridge and to build this church and to build this school and to build this thing, and they weren't looking to like make money. They were just looking to like let's get this thing together and we'll hire a person to do it. We'll bring in this yeah. you know, and it's like it's been happening here. And we're one of the things that's it's actually an essential part of the um, I think. Of America because we're, you know, not a, the only thing that our country has in common is really the fact that we're all American citizens. Other than that, we're tons of different um, races, tons of uh, different um, religions. We are a pluralistic group and like nonprofits are super important to making a group like that, a, a country like that work. Yeah, for because sure. Because it'll like, you know, like, like right now, Christianity is kind of going out of favor. It, you know, kind of feels and that's. Uh, that's its own other um, thing that we can um, talk about, but like you'll just see more Christian non like nonprofits because it's not going to become the norm. So people are going to become like advocates. It's going to it's just going to be um, more and more because we have a culture that allows for that to happen. That's great. That's great. That's a, that's how this country w- works. Like, um, yeah. And so it just then that whole thing about like, um, again, like there are plenty of people and you know. Uh, um, that I've seen who like work at um, nonprofits where I think you should be fired tomorrow. Like, like I'm, right. I'm, I'm oh not saying goodness. like, yeah, but it's, that's where I'm like, maybe can you get a job anywhere else? Can I get a job? Am I one of those? Like, it just, it just, <laughs> it, but like, that's, that's one reason why I, you know, wanted to get a master's and this became very passionate about was mm-hmm. I decided maybe about 10 years ago, I want to get really, really good at this, at this yeah. one thing here. And it, um, it's just the weirdest thing. Like it's, I, I hear this complaint a lot about like, you know, uh, just about, um, overhead and i'm just like guys this doesn't the, the days of like i think this is one of the reasons why i get really pissed when people don't count in-kind gifts like yeah. not only as a gift so like mm-hmm. that is a gift of that basically isn't cash so it is like a football team jersey or, or you know a yeah, thing yeah. that you're i'm um, giving to, so that i don't know if they can have it I'm like do you then count that as an expense which a lot of them don't because then you don't know how much it costs to actually do this thing so this event that you think costs, you know, 20, like $1,000 to do because that's how much cash you guys um, use for it actually cost 80 because all of this is donated. Right, exactly. It, it's so funny. That's the other thing. We, we you know, we could go on this for, for hours. <laughs> <Sorry>. But people, <laughs> good luck, Gomer. For, for, for the now two people who are listening yeah. and Gomer who's just drinking himself through this recording. Yeah. Um, there's like, okay, there's no standard for how you have to report any of this stuff. So any organization that tells you they spend 6% or 7% on overhead is They're lying. lying. Yeah. Like, and, and, and let me t- – I mean just super quick example. Think if an organization has a million-dollar budget. If they spend 6% on overhead, that's $60,000. 
do you really think they're only spending $60,000 on all those people's salaries, benefits, yeah. Yeah. office space? Like, it's absurd. And so, it's called but, administrative cost. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, there's man, oh, so much, so much, <laughs> and it, yeah, it, it, well, and just and too, like honestly, like I, I have a little bit of a problem with people also like underpaying. Oh or yeah, being like because it's like, well, you're actually doing everyone into service, right? Like you're not For showing sure. the real cost of this. Like so, like that's great that if you want, I'm sacrificed. I'm, I think that's that's I would never fault anyone for for that. But the only pushback I would that I would say, like, have you um, thought about just the fact that then this becomes, um, like you can do that. Some people can't. Right. Exactly. And so, yeah, I had somebody I was coaching one time. They, this was still when I was doing this part time and they, basically they had done really well in a particular year and the board wanted to give them a raise, but they declined it. (laughs) And if you're listening out there, like I, like I, I get it. This person was very much like, didn't need the money and mm-hmm. really cared about this cause and this mission. <clears throat> and so they were, they were doing this with 100% pure motives. But the challenge is, is then now you've set the precedent for yep. the next person that comes in when your position was already being underpaid <clears throat> and now you declined the pay increase. Mm-hmm. And now the next person's expected to work for, you know, whatever that rate is, which is so far under what, you know it should be and so yeah there's just a lot of yeah we're just shooting ourselves in the foot because we want to save ten thousand dollars but we're going to lose a million and it happens all the time yeah it's like the de facto norm it's so weird it's so weird so uh, all right uh this is really fun i i would love to keep going especially on this thing i'm like and this other thing um (laughs) but uh i want to uh can you tell people like if so i think i would like to do two things here one if it's okay with you and i'm gonna make a huge i'm gonna make a big assumption here uh if anyone has a question about like just like nonprofits or fundraising particularly with like all the major gifts uh go over to catchingfoxes.fm or on patreon.com um cf and become a patron and then uh shoot us shoot us a question on the webpage. we have a contact part at some point in time i'd love to have you on again and if, yeah I, I have a feeling we, we're gonna have a lot of questions particularly from priests and nuns who listen oh, so yes. we'll yes. keep it totally anonymous just ask us away and i think it'd be fun to have you back on just to take some people some uh, some of their questions and hopefully we can also have um gomer here so he can have his podcast some of the thoughts about you know here's what i yes. think after just hearing this and i'll try to act like i'm an expert uh, yeah, I, I I would love to have Gomer on. <clears throat> I have so many things to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, we need, uh, and we'll talk about um, your mom and the like amazing miracle. <laughs> Just at twelve thirty, I do want to hear it though. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got so many things. Uh, that's amazing. I'll, I'll leave this as a Luke. I'll, I'll I'll give you live on the air. So we've got a a three three and a quarter year old and an eleventh month eleven month old. Nice. And twins on the way. <laughs> twins? Oh, that's awesome, man! Congratulations. So, yeah, so there's oh. there's lots of stuff going going down, but uh, look at that. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a whirlwind. <laughs> uh, <up. laughs> Patreon.com slash Kevin. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, Kevin does have a class um, called uh, it's uh, called I'll Make a Gift Millions. 
Major gift it's millions. A, major gift, mega gift. I'm so tired. Mega Sorry. gifts by Jerry Pants. It's a phenomenal book. Actually, just buy that book and uh, it's better. No, <laughs> no, but like your class is really, really good. I really would recommend people go and uh, it's on. It's over on his website, which will be in the show notes. But go ahead and tell everyone what the website is. Yeah, so onevisitaway.com slash millions. The course is basically, it's just like 40-something video lessons of everything I teach my clients, but in a, you know, always there. You can go through it at your own pace, much more cost-effective. And I'll, we didn't discuss this before, and I just did it five minutes before the show, so feel free to take this out. But if anybody, I have, I launched the course, and I did a huge sale when I launched it. I have not done a sale since, and I'm offering to Catching Foxes listeners for the now one person who is left listening. <laughs> if you use the code FOXES, the coupon code, you'll get 400 bucks off on individual access and 2000 off team access. So anyway, Excellent. go check it out. Feel free to take that out, but it is... Uh, I will not. <laughs> yeah, go 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 check it out. It's been... We've already got like... I've already got over 200 students enrolled in there and have had some people close some huge gifts and it's it's been fun to see. And yeah, it's just... It's awesome. 30-day money-back guarantee. You can go through the whole thing and then tell me it's garbage and ask for your money back and it's yours. But... Uh... <laughs> It's not. It's listen. As a person who I'm going to say, I know how to. Do, I know. I'm, I don't know how to do that. I mean, you can. Uh, you have. As I say, like I know how to do something. Then I'm like, Kevin, talk to me. I need help with this. Uh, <laughs> be like, Luke, I'm not sure you know how to do this. Uh, it is really, really good. It is really, really, really good. And I, I, I uh, you know, I'm very famous on here for going on a rant I'm, early on here when I said <laughs> I do not like consultants. But you, my friend, are the exception to the rule because yes, there's, yes. there's, there's, this is an area that people just don't know what to do. And you're providing real answers and like real solutions that I think like actually have changed lives and will continue to. And so I really, if you are um, in a ministry and you just want to be able to raise more money, I think this is the first place that you like go to Kevin's site, it's, uh, check out his podcast. One, one, I'm a visit away. It is fantastic. And I'll do an ad like in the beginning. Uh, for that as well for us so people can get that discount i'm going i'm going through the course right now i'm about two-thirds of the way through i think uh really really good i stopped for a bit because i got i got like overwhelmed with stuff that i need to talk about at some point in time yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah oh, dude, this is so much fun this was uh, we're gonna talk for hours it was two and a half hours it's wonderful yeah. good luck go yeah, this is great <laughs> it was good so all right everyone uh Thank you for listening. You've gotten this far. <laughs> Who knows how long this is? Uh, and um, yeah, Gomer's going to cut it down to like seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> or we, we've just inspired like two thousand people become major gift officers <laughs> out of the ten who will listen, and then we're going to like, crap. It's a crowded industry now. <laughs> yeah. How do we do that? Everyone's asking for pay raises, and now they can't pay us. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All of a sudden, all of like all of uh, the recruiters slowly stop contacting me on LinkedIn because <laughs> it's just like, eh, is this is nothing. Yeah. So, oh man, right, well, this is awesome. Uh, thanks, thank yeah, you, Luke. Fun. We're both fun. two podcasters trying to uh, simultaneously do the outro. And uh... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going to bye everyone. I'm going to stop recording uh, right now.